it was Clark pegging Bellamy, which seemed to me in character, like Clark kind of taking charge, Bellamy kind of wanting that to happen. And that seemed at that point in the show in character. <laughs> how would it, how would it, do you, do you think that it would still be oh, in character wait, now? No, wait, wait a second. Wait. You're, you're just trying to get me to talk about this for the cold open. <laughs> <laughs> I have never written the words Balark anal, and now this is the cold open. <laughs> Damn it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Maybe Geek Again, episode 42. My name is Shaheen. And I am joined today by my lovely co-host, Joe. Hey. And Cece. Hey, guys. So we're talking about The 100 today. Um, we talk about The 100. We talk about The Expanse, which, you know, we're, we'll get to at the end of this, this show. Um, we have some yelling to do about that. <laughs> um, so but, much yelling. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we might branch out into humans. In the I think so. Over the shows. over the hiatus. Yeah. Anyway, right now we're talking about the hundred season five episode four, and this episode is called Pandora's Box, um, written by Charmaine de Grate and directed by Dean White. So, how are where, you guys doing? Where can they find us, Shaheen? Oh, yeah. You can find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Um, Come yell at me on on Twitter at Maybe Geek Again because yeah, I'm. That's most likely where you get. It's the just a lot of gifts. Fastest and response. Dick jokes. Yeah, a lot of dick, dick jokes. jokes. A lot of them. And uh, yeah, and obviously we are on SoundCloud, um, and you know you can. Find us on iTunes and sign up for our new episodes. And yeah, it's all May We Geek Again. Anywhere you go, you can search May We Geek Again. You'll find us. And yeah. <laughs> so what is everyone drinking? I'm drinking water because I'm boring. Yeah. <laughs> Just boring. Yeah. yeah. What are you drinking, Cece? I'm drinking a Bell's Two-Hearted. What is what is that? What varietal and what percentage? Oh, um, I don't have the bottle with me anymore. Um, it's an IPA. I've got a Port City Porter waiting right behind it. Okay. Yeah. I like that you have a backup. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is kind of a mom thing. Always have a backup. Yeah. Like Always you have, have goldfish crackers and you have pretzels. And a beer. Always in my purse. <laughs> no, Always. Okay. Someone like skins their knee like an adult or something on the sidewalk. Have and a beer. Like, Do you need a beer? I have I an need- IPA and a porter. <laughs> pull it out of your purse. Sometimes it could help. I don't, I don't know. It, you probably usually would. Are you, are you drinking microwave tea, Shaheen? No, I made some uh, chamomile oh. tea. So soothing. Or chamomile or however you pronounce that. Is that to tone down your rage at, at this episode? Um, maybe. I mean, that's a lucky coincidence, maybe, because <laughs> I 
mainly I run run out, I run out of um, my regular tea, which I order from this company in Michigan. And so I just got back from California, and I ordered a new batch. And so right now I'm doing chamomile. Uh, it's pretty good though. I, I like it once in a while. Um, speaking of coming back from California, man, you feel the difference. And <laughs> I mean, in terms of quality um, and frequent listeners to the pod, um, yeah, know that alcohol is not our only vice. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we say, what are you drinking? That's more generally like, what is your What's in your body? Alter- <laughs> uh, your consciousness alteration. What is, what is the source <laughs> of that? Which, you know. Okay. Cool. All right. So let's get into the episode. What is everyone's overall takes? You want to like do a compliment sandwich again? Yeah, let's do a compliment sandwich. Do you want to go first or second, Cece? Or do you want to be the top loaf of bread or the bottom loaf of bread? Yeah. I think I'll be the bottom. (laughs) I feel like that was... You keep setting me up for this shit. (laughs) Um, Well, doesn't the bottom come first? So you should go go first, Cece. That sounds good. Well, you got to flip it. Like, when you get it... Oh, my God, stop. I love that we're like... (laughs) Three minutes into the fucking podcast, and we're just like butt sex. Uh. <laughs> you can go first, Cece. I'm a giver. Uh, um, okay. I thought it was a great episode. It was one of the. It, it went so fast that I was like, "Wait, that's it." Um, and then when I stepped back and watched it again, I was like, "They just packed in." I just don't know how they packed in so much. It was like this, uh, all these different like triangulated cat and mouse games going on all like, like usually when I I watch an episode, there's like the A, the B, and the C story. Mm -hmm. And I'm more into one or two versus the other. This one, I wasn't like, oh, we're going back to space or, oh, we're going back to this. I just was into all of it and into how everybody was kind of playing everyone like, the, the cabbie and Indra versus Octavia or Octavia versus Dioza and Bellamy kind of looking back and forth like what the fuck between the two of them. Um, McCreary. <laughs> the what the fuck looks in this episode were, were so, so good. And there were so many of them. Just so many just looks. Yeah. I mean, if you, I, I think it was like Tony's recaps, but you could have even gone beyond that where it was like you could have had McCreary going, what the fuck? And Dioza saying, I don't know what the fuck. And Bellamy going, I don't know you guys, but also what the fuck. And, and Clark just, being like, guys, seriously, what the fuck? I, uh, everyone, everyone except Octavia. Um, but then also so many, like we had kind of seen teases of it, but so, so many layers to the whole McCreary, Dioza, Shaw triangle. And then you had Raven and Shaw battling each other. Like it was just a great cat and mouse game but it also filled in a ton of backstory there were a ton of character moments it set up a bunch of conflicts for the future it just did so much and yet at the end I was like I want more how was that how is the 40 something minutes up okay um I'm gonna hold off as Shaheen is now the the salt in the middle of this sandwich (laughs) or the beef so here's my beef so god damn it (laughs) 
Yeah, so I'm not I mean, even I'm... stoned, and this is fucking hilarious. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I just uh, uh, sorry. So yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, guys. This season is not my favorite season, and um, I felt very alone about it. And then I and then I talked to Bob's, and um, I felt a little better. Oh, what did um, Bubs? Since when is Bubs comforting? What the fuck did she say? Well, I mean, we'll get into it later. Um, but there's, and then I read on Reddit also. There's, the, I found posts on Reddit that uh, actually brought up some of the points that I I was thinking about. Um, people being pissed about it to varying degrees. Um, people defending it, uh, defending the other side of it and stuff. So, um, I saw some debate about it so i feel like yeah there's a side of it uh there's my side of it to to represent i don't want you to feel alone i i felt that way at the end of season four where yeah i was i feel like in a lot of ways i'm where you guys might have been in like season four uh like where bobs might have been around the hydro generator or um you know cc you you said at the end of season four? Yeah, everyone was, I, um, well, Bubs came down to watch the finale. And uh-huh. we, so Mr. Check, Bubs, and I watched the finale. Granted, we had, we had enjoyed a lot of beverages, but at the end of it, we, all three of us were like, what the fuck? We did not, there were parts of it that I enjoyed, but it felt like emotionally, like, empty to me and then I went on Twitter and everyone was like that's the greatest finale ever and it feels weird (laughs) right it feels Uh and I guess it depends what you're in what part of the show you're invested in but when it's not hitting that spot or what you're looking for yeah um yeah and so yeah or maybe where you guys were in season three um I think uh like around actually episode four (laughs) um you know, with, with the massacre and all of that. Um, and so, I don't know. So, certain parts of the show where I felt like, at those times, I felt like, oh, I can fill in enough for myself to let this go. Uh, there have been other other times when I felt like, no, I, I'm not happy with what was on the screen insofar as explaining what was going on. And, you know, I've just been feeling that way this season and this episode especially. I think it was the same with episode two. Episode three was fine. Um, and episode one is fine, more or less. But so your two and four especially. So it's the bunker, huh? The bunker is, a, yes, is a major part of it. Um, and I'm going to quote Aristotle. <laughs> Octavia, it, this does not please her at all. <laughs> <laughs> she does not want to hear about philosophy, Shaheen. I know. Not, I, so I have this in our notes, but like we can call it out now. Like I felt like that was like a personal like attack on our podcast. Yeah, this of, like podcast- Octavia being like, I don't want a philosophy lesson. I'm like, listen, lady, you don't have this- to like our podcast. Like, go listen to another one. Jeez. This podcast. <laughs> the- Sorry. Go ahead. This podcast is an enemy of one crew. Sure. <laughs> no Who's one. That writer chosen. who lurks on Reddit. Uh, um, Aaron Ginsberg. Mm-hmm. You think Aaron kind of like snuck this in? Was like, <laughs> hey. <laughs> Octavia fucking hates that podcast. It's awful. <laughs> so unprofessional. 
Yeah. Sorry, Aristotle. So, yeah, I mean, I, I want to say before I quote Aristotle that I don't, I'm not one of those people who are like, you know, Aristotle's poetics is like the Bible of uh, storytelling and whatever. Um, Does anyone say that? Oh, yeah. And <laughs> we run in different circles. I mean, this is... I, I'm s surprised by this because it sounds mm -hmm. like Aristotle sounds old or whatever. I mean, ancient Greek philosopher. But um, actually, I, I mean, I had... Um, I, I used to date someone from the theater department and um, she told me that in their department, which was, you know, a more or less hip kind of department, they still thought of it, or her professor or whatever thought of Aristotle as still like, if not the final word, but like the text to which all rest of the rest of playwriting and screenwriting is kind of a footnote. And so anyway, I'm not one of those people necessarily. I mean, but I think that he gets at something that can explain sometimes when you're not happy with a story. Okay, I'm curious. And so that, in, in this passage, he, he says, In character drawing, just as much as in the arrangement of the incidents, one should always seek what is inevitable or probable, so as to make it inevitable or probable that such and such a person should say or do such and such, and inevitable or probable that one thing should follow another. Clearly, therefore, the unraveling, or I don't know, sometimes this is translated as denouement, 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 yeah, Ooh, say that the again. unraveling of the plot should also be the result of the plot itself and not produced mechanically, as in Medea and the incident of the embarkation in the Iliad. So he gives two examples of what he thinks, um, instead of the story telling you something that was inevitable or at least probable based on the characters or based on the on what what else you know um it somehow mechanically produced something because the plot just needed that right and he gives two examples of the media and the embarkation in the iliad and the media has several versions so i don't know i'm not sure about that but the embarkation in the iliad i believe that refers to this incident where Athena comes down from the sky, literally, and prevents Achilles from uh, losing his temper and killing Agamemnon. And this is because, like, if, he, if Achilles had gone ahead and killed um, Agamemnon, then, I mean, one of two things would have happened. He would have either killed Agamemnon, in which case there would have been no war and there would be no story, or... Um, he would have been killed, in which case the character was killed and there would be no story. So what happens is Athena comes down and, and just chills him out, and that never happens. And so Aristotle thought that this just came out of nowhere. There was no necessity in the story that this should happen. Anyway, so this is how I feel about it. Uh, a lot of things that are happening in the season. That I feel like it's just the, the writers are like, okay, we need this thing to be happening so uh, you're just going to accept that this happened. And we'll give you some half-ass explanation or you can dig for some stuff. Um, 
but you know, mostly we just want this to be the case. Um, and you know, it's possible. It could have happened, even if it's not probable. It could have happened that someone came up with this crazy solution for population reduction. Could have happened. So we just want it to happen. Or um, it could have happened that someone just disobeyed orders that you know could that could result in um, their entire people dying. You know, but you know we want it to happen, and so it happened. There's nothing in the story that says that should have happened. Um, you could fill in your own stuff, but this on, the stuff that's on the screen is doesn't feel sufficient. So, and we'll get to the details of it later. Sorry. So that was my big. Double, that was your that was your big rant. Double burger beef <laughs> with cheese. <laughs> um, okay. So I guess it's up to me for Did the. Did you say cheese? I said cheese because. Oh, cheese. Cheese. On, on your burger? Um, Double cheeseburger? I, I don't know. Um, so I guess I guess I have to do the top, the bun, the, the top of this compliment shit show. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm curious what you're gonna, what you're gonna sort of talk about, like in what you felt was unrealistic. I mean, apart from the fact that we're watching a show about apoc- an apocalypse with like bunkers and space miners or whatever. Um, but in terms of just sort of my, my, my initial feelings on the episode, like I thought we had some excellent character moments and to the point where as much as I love episodes that Jason Rothenberg writes, um, in the sense that he is very good at crafting, um, sort of moments and scenes and the story. I hate to say that, other writers on his team handle exposition dialogue better. And um, this episode, like we did get like a few like bursts of exposition and they weren't, and they definitely felt a lot less clunky um, than sometimes I have, I've had issues with in the past. Maybe Um, it's just the magic that is always when Raven and Murphy are in the room. I mean, yeah, they are pretty magical. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so, so that exposition was good. Like the character moments were really good, and then, um, God, I just fucking love the Allegis crew, and I love mm-hmm. how they're new, but the caliber of actors they were able to secure for this, um, just it feels like I've been that they've been in the story this whole time. If that makes yeah. sense, yeah. I, this is, I mean, honestly, can you guys think of a television show that in series season five introduced? this many new characters that are initially presented as antagonists. And, and you, everyone is like, oh, I love them. Well, yeah, but you but you gave a shit and that they were interesting and you mm-hmm. were invested in them. It's just, I, I, I can't think of another example. I, I cannot either. So are we looking for an example from this show? I, I'm, I was trying to think of any show that introduced a totally new set of characters. I mean, I can think of, for example, like The Leftovers season two, but that's still really early. Mm-hmm. Um, and you still had no idea what the fuck was happening in The Leftovers anyway. So like, who, what did it matter? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I just can't think of another show that 
I mean, I mean, you can. It's not a fair comparison because I still think that the that the hundred is the best drama on the CW. But just just for like to give them credit, compare that to every superhero show that's on the CW that every year introduces a new villain slash antagonist. Uh, yeah, and but- you're and you're like, all right. So by the season finale, this person who's this fucking red shirt? Yeah. Um, and like this, I'm like, please don't be red shirted. Please, please stay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's how I felt when they introduced, um, what's his name, Negan on The Walking Dead. That's around the time I stopped watching because I was like, okay, I don't even care. Um, right. And, on the and other that was eight- supposed to be a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I stopped. So, yeah. I stopped and I stopped watching long before then, but Mr. Chick hung in there and he's like, look, it's a great, it, it's no fault to the actor. It's a great performance. I just, it makes me not care. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think of, of shows that like introduced, I mean, ugh, God damn it. So you haven't fully seen Buffy, um, but they did introduce like they, they Buffy was a show that an angel to a certain extent did introduce characters sort of later on. Um, to mixed results, I'll say. Like, sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. Um, but yeah, like, The 100 being a show where you get sort of a big bad every season that you care about, uh, or that you don't care about usually, or you know that it's going to be kind of wrapped up at the end. Um, and then we have this Allegis crew, and knowing that space, going back into space, is now um, sort of an option that the story writers have, like going into season six, we don't know where this season is going and I really can't place it. But hypothetically, if Shannon Cook's character comes down from Allegis three, um, Mm. which is sort of my, my latest crackpot theory, uh, you know, and not everyone from our Allegis four dies. Uh, I'm, I'm super into them sticking around and I'm going to be sad if they all die by the end of the season. Well, yeah, and it's just, I mean, the fact that you have all these char- new characters that we've only known for four episodes, and all pretty much all they've done on screen is fuck with people that we love. And, like, love. scowl. Yeah, and fuck with characters that we've loved for this long, and yet I'm super invested and interested in figuring out what's the deal with their dynamic and who's loyal to who. I mean, it's just, it's really, really, really well done. Sorry, Shaheen. All right. <laughs> Sorry, what? I was just apologizing because we're fanning over over stuff and I didn't want you to feel sad. Yeah. No, it's cool. I'm glad that you guys are happy. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys bring things up that I haven't seen so or I, I haven't noticed or whatever. Um, so it's great. I mean, I agree that um, I agree about everything that you said introduction of new characters that have layers and aren't entirely predictable is something that this show does really well and that's happening this season too although we can get into the predictability aspect a little later i feel like that is something that i worry about in this episode gave me more to worry about so um let's start with uh, bunker crew and yeah, let's see how much we talk about that. And then maybe we can uh, take a break and come back and talk about the deal crew and when they get space out of the bunker and-, and then space crew and then we'll wrap up. Okay. All cool. right. So uh, let's get into bunker crew. Let's have Joe go first this time. <laughs> oh, okay. 
Um, yeah. Okay. So what is my my feelings first on thing you want to talk about yeah. on the bunker stuff? Oh. I mean, um, so I guess like the 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 main thing that kind of drew me, like the mo- the conversation that stuck with me the most, because I mean we kind of really had two big conversations um, in in bunker crew. Um, you know, we had other stuff that we could look at. We could look at, um, you know, Gaia's influence and, you know, sort of this mythology that, that surrounds Octavia now. But, um, I was really struck by the conversation between Octavia and Kane. Um, and, you know, Octavia basically comes in there, uh, and, you know, first, first, uh, on the first hand, like she, one hand, first hand, I don't know. Um, you know, when Kane, uh, basically one in in the pit and he was the last uh it it doesn't automatically make you win um octavia still gets to decide if 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 you if justice has been served um or you know or if he is absolved um so she's kind of like judge dread in there you know like saying that she is the law like they can fight and then she decides if so there's like another sort of hurdle that they have to go over um yeah but you know as you say that you know what it reminds me of hmm. Um, and I just thought of this, but so back, remember back in season one when Bellamy was like in full douche mode and, <laughs> and during Murphy's law, he's in charge, but he also needs to keep the crowd. Right. Mm-hmm. So that whole moment when Murphy's being hung and everybody's chanting for it, he can go against the crowd or he can go along with the crowd and he needs to keep the crowd on his side so you think this had to do with octavia or not octavia indra being like hey you're losing them well i mean they make a, they make a real they mention it twice so indra says you're losing them and then octavia in her one-on-one conversation with kane says you lost the crowd mm. so it's this very interesting um keeping the crowd happy has as much to do with her decision um I think they made they made a point of it multiple times. Yeah, this is interesting because in that conversation between Kane and Octavia, Kane says, "You think that the arena brings justice," um, and she says, "I know it does." So, does she think she's the law, or does she think that this somehow brings brings about? Justice. Well, so so this gets into kind of the rest of it that I that I wanted to sort of talk about is they have this conversation between uh, where they talk about the difference between justice and vengeance. You know, uh, Octavia says yes, it is justice, and and Kane says no, it's vengeance, and and vengeance made into sport, and so it actually perfectly mirrors. Well, not perfectly, but you know, it mirrors a conversation um, from season three, episode three hundred seven. Um, pour one out. Um, where we had that villager come in and, and it was the Ascension Day and he basically was, and he captured Octavia. That was the interesting thing. Octavia was actually there for that conversation. Um, but he, he had brought in Octavia cause she had tried to save the village, but then they ended up capturing her. And, um, basically it's the moment Lexa deliberates for a bit and she comes back and says, you know, I, you know, I call upon the army of the 12 clans. We're going to surround Sky Crew. Um, wall them off and let them deal with their bullshit. And then, you know, that's it. Because, you know, the way that she saw it and the way that, you know, she was maybe influenced a bit by Clark is, you know, this is something within Sky Crew that's rotten. Um, us going in there and slaughtering them, you know, isn't, doesn't, doesn't solve anything, especially if we want to work with them. And so um, 
what happened is 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 that villager said, you know, how is this vengeance? And and Lexa said, it's not. It's justice. And I think what we're seeing is a. I don't think any of us sort of gave enough credit. As much as I dislike Titus, I don't think any of us gave enough credit for sort of how he molded and shaped commanders. Because what we have here is in Gaia is sort of her feeding and and stoking like these these awful fucking flames within Octavia and within sort of this mythology that she's building so that while um, Lexa sort of had, you know, this idea of actual justice being separate from vengeance and that sometimes justice does not get you the result necessarily that you want um, out of it, uh, you know, there is there is some sort of amount of fairness, whereas, um, like Kane said, they've turned it into vengeance in in just in just blood but then also because it's a spectacle and people are cheering you know oh you lost the crowd like you have to go again um you know it's, it's a game at that point it's a sport um so i thought that was just a that's really the thing, great though, right it, it's not vengeance it's not even vengeance i mean grounder justice was at least vengeance it was mm-hmm. like eye for an eye or whatever or if you did something to me i'm gonna if you hurt me i'm gonna eye hurt for you. an eye right but this is not even that i mean well, but it is so if this, you look this, at it as if you're the enemy of one crew. Like, if you look at it, not what somebody individually does, not stealing medicine, but if you look at it as this is a crime against the whole. And the whole can, and the whole can, can through the crowd, give you another chance. Yeah, or if you commit a crime against the whole, then you are trying to hurt the whole. You are trying to, you know, it brings you one step closer to death. It brings the whole one step closer to death. So in some ways it is vengeance, but it's a fucked up kind of vengeance. But, okay, if you hurt the whole, mm-hmm. then the whole hurts you. That should, if that's the principle, that's sort of what was in on the arc. It was like, no matter what your crime is, you violated a law... And if you're not a minor, uh, we're just going to get rid of you. I mean, I think they kind of fudged sort of how that works, how the vengeance of it works, just because, again, they also wanted to turn it into sport. They needed entertainment. Wait, so I have a question. I have a question for you What's your question? Okay. Okay. So, say you stole medicine. Uh Uh-huh. Would you rather have stolen the medicine on the Ark... Stolen the medicine during the commander's rule mm-hmm. or stolen medicine in the bunker? Oh, I mean, obviously during commander's rule. Why? What? That's eye for an eye. Well, what, what fucking medicine are they going to take out of me? Well, no, no. I'm talking about like the actual punishment. The arc is zero tolerance. Yeah. The grounder law was eye for an eye. Well, what? So they're going to cut off my hand, let's say. Like, let's go with like, you know, biblical times um, theft, which you lose a hand. Right. Well, yeah. I mean that that we're making up. I mean, from what I saw, anytime anyone expressed dissent, or for example, if you were to compare what Indra was doing in this episode to what Augustus was doing in two hundred nine, or the um, council member from Escada, I guess that was expressing dissent to Lexa, she kicked him off a tower. Yeah, but the dude was a douchebag. But she kicked him off. But she yeah, kicked- I had issues with that, though. I had issues with that because that's not supposed to be how it works, even by grounder law. And um, but the, but yeah, it, you're but right, it, though. Traitors were traitors were killed. Traitors by were a killed. Cuts. Here, at least, you have a shot at another outcome. 
Yeah, I mean, but that's kind of. I mean, which that's is kind maybe of like saying. But I think that's perhaps why, if you think about who's in the bunker, and it's people coming from the Ark and people who are coming from Grounder Society, this is. This has taken hold because it gives them a chance or an illusion of, I mean, I don't know if it's an illusion of autonomy because Octavia clearly factors in the crowd's reaction to something in her decision. Well, it's, it's not, a, it's not an illusion. I mean, okay. The crowd thing is, is makes it more problematic. Okay. It just, the, the <laughs> fact that it's, it's, it's a just super fucked up jury. It's literally based on how people boo you or whatever. It's not even based on whether you, you are the last. They claim that the only rule is be the last, but it's not. The rule is whether people boo you or, or cheer be you. Be the anyway, last and keep it, the crowd on your side. As Asterisk. if it wasn't already stupid enough. But, but, isn't, this, but so, isn't this what it was in Roman times? People fought, the crowd cheered or booed, and then the emperor gave them thumbs up or thumbs down. Like, yes. they're not making this up. This is from human history. Um. Okay. I mean, that basically comes down to Bellamy's comment, which is like, you read a little too much of it. Um, which, yes. <laughs> which was so great. <laughs> which, yes, so, hard. so have. <laughs> that's, if that's all we have is that Octavia just made this crazy decision um, to do this because sometimes Romans did this. I don't know how often. I'm sure they didn't have one of these fights for every single... I don't know what they did. Well, it wasn't A lot always, of times it, history is sort of like caricatured in the way that's presented to us but um anyway even if it is something that they did at the time um for criminals specifically are you talking about um or anyway i don't know it, well, it's just... criminals or enslaved people i mean i don't i don't know but i mean think about think about what octavia is doing versus what happened to the people on allegius where they were put on a ship and sent to go mine in space well, I mean, this argument that A is better than B, it's sort of like, it's the Stockholm Syndrome, right? It's like, you're like, oh, good, he's not killing me or hitting me, so it's good. I um, mean, here's the thing, like... No, it, it, none of these, none of these... You're systems. saying, and, and, okay, so going back to what you said about agency, uh, or um, you said an illusion, illusion of agency or illusion of... Well, I can't. It's interesting because this choice you said. Well, this episode made it seem like there's a little bit more public input than there used to be, perhaps. As as, well, there was none. Yeah. So as to the outcome, I mean, it's interesting. Obviously, none of these systems are fucking (laughs) ideal justice (laughs) systems. Like, well, look, no. I mean, there is justice, and then there is deterrent. Okay. That's a totally different thing because on on the Ark, at least there was a council of people who decided if you were guilty or not. And then... Well, there's um, sort of a council was, of people here. They just happen to have axes. Um, I mean, there's only one person who decides what happens. No, it's, it's, not tri- based, it's trial by combat. <laughs> it's after. It's after it's decided whether you're guilty or not. You get a certain chance to still maybe get away. Yeah, you're, and you're accused and there's a trial by combat. That's not a that's not an illusion of choice, I would say. That's just a very low degree of choice. Um, because you can have different degrees of agency. So you can Or you have can be some, Kane and you can just decide not to participate at at 
you know, that that was his choice. Um, you know, the first time he participated and the second time he, you know, was about to get killed by Octavia. Um, so he chose not to participate. That was his illusion of choice. Yeah, but again, I mean, we talked about this the last time we talked. I mean, the last time we chat about the system that they've set up, you are your accusation and guilt are assumed. And then you're put in that arena for your sentence. Right. So we don't know not anything about how you're uh, found guilty. As far as we know, it's just Octavia decides that you're guilty. Um, and then you go to the pit. But And then there's the pit aspect, of it, which is, okay, in, on the Ark, you would have died after they decided... On the Ark, there was actual process. There was due process. Mm-hmm. And then they would decide that you are guilty, and then you're almost certain fate, unless the Chancellor... Uh, vetoed it, your almost certain fate would have been floating. And in this case, so there was justice, but there was no chance to get out of it on the arc. I mean, there was a chance to get out of it, which is the Chancellor, but that was it. Um, Here, there is is no justice, but there is a chance to get out of the punishment. Mm -hmm. So it's the complete mirror image of it. Um, There's definitely no justice. There's just a chance to get out of it. And, and, it, and this chance, by the way, rewards. It's not, it could have been a lottery. You could, if that's the purpose, you could just put a lottery. But this, you could have said like all the criminals, we killed like four out of five criminals or, or something. But this rewards the ones that are more brutal or less sympathetic. Um, right. And, Bub- you know, so what Bubs was saying, like, what if you had given them like a chemistry exam? Who, who would yeah, be more? Like, who yeah. would be more useful? Who'd be more useful with the hydroponic farm? I like, mean, theoretically, I will... it would make more sense if they had actually gone, you know, helping humanity route as opposed to who is the best like fighter, like in you know. But this is a bunch of well, grounders, and they value well, yeah. things differently. Well, right, and that, what Octavia has. I mean, why I don't, why I find it actually organic. I think, which probably differs from the way Shaheen is kind of looking, like how do they put all these pieces together, is all of the things that she's done, she's taking different pieces from the different groups' cultures and and putting them together in a new way, but in a way that's like just familiar enough that people are obviously going along with it. So mm-hmm. she's having, she's like implemented fighting as, as part of the, as part of the way that you determine somebody's sentence. That goes to ground our culture. She's incorporated some sense of autonomy, which brings in that the ARC had, I don't know so much of it was, at least it was a republic, right? Like they voted for their chancellor. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it was always unclear as to how people got put on the council, whether it was on the Separate ARC issue. or on the ground. Right. Um, and then, And then even towards like, the end of the episode when people are saying from the ashes we will rise they've incorporated now things from history that goes from even the second more. dawn right and so she's taking all these little pieces of things and well, that's we- just jaha's fault let's be <laughs> <laughs> well but she's she's weaving she's weaving them together and i mean I octavia rem- isn't though gaia is I think that that's a crucial like especially when we're talking about the mythology of things and sort of the religious aspect of it Octavia doesn't bow her head. Octavia doesn't chant. Octavia, the only, like, quote-unquote chant Octavia does is, you know, if you are one crew or the enemy of one crew, but all of the stuff about, you know, all of my body, you know, all of me, 
you know, Rise from the Ashes, all of that. That's all Gaia, which mm-hmm. like she's a she's a shifty bitch. I'm real curious. Like, see, but what? all of this stuff is just hard to believe. I mean, this what is Gaia exactly right now? I mean, Gaia is definitely there's nothing left of the grounder religion. There's no flame. There are no commanders anymore. There are, there's no night blood. Um, this is nothing like they know. And so and I, I don't think it's that. I mean, she hated- it's just this chick. It's this weird <laughs> chick who used to be the flame keeper. And now she's just like, listen to me. Let me hypnotize you. And everyone is, I mean, this, I guess could have happened, but it, it's just not. It's I don't, just hard to believe. Uh, but peop, but if you, I, I don't find it that hard to believe. If you look at like human history and you look at somebody like, uh, I don't want to be controversial, but like if you just look, for example, at history of Christianity, when there was a split between Catholic church and Protestantism and Protestant leaders set up their own churches pretty quickly and people listened to their authority and they used some things that were familiar and they put a new twist on them, and people followed pretty quickly. So, I mean, obviously I we're mean, dealing... We might have seen factions. We could have seen factions. This this is the type of thing that... But we're not because it was a six-year time jump, and we have 13 episodes. Yeah, I mean, here's the we thing. We could like, see the factions now. I mean... I'm curious I who's I mean, gonna who once they are topside who is gonna like spit out the Kool Aid because here's the thing no matter what inside the bunker you needed to drink the Kool Aid or pretend that you drank the Kool Aid for survival like that's kind of what Kane was getting at that he should have spoke up sooner like he knew it was wrong like absolutely but you know it's a matter of survival it's a matter of um, you know you're not there's nowhere to go like you're stuck in there so drink the Kool Aid and may you know you might get to live. Yeah, um, and now there's a real Nightblood out there. And now there's a real Nightblood out there. Like, I'm really curious because they definitely made a point of showing Miller as possibly having drunk the Kool-Aid. Um, but oh my gosh, he's totally... Both Miller... I mean, that was what I But do we was, believe them? Like, are they brainwashed? Are they just playing along? Like, well, or do they really believe it? Because Octavia kept them alive, technically. But the camera... So here's the interesting thing. They showed Miller and Jackson bowing their heads, closing mm-hmm. their eyes, and repeating the new, like, what is it, of me, all of me, for everyone. I but how much of that is them actually believing it and how much of that yeah, is them but, doing it? But the camera shows Indra questioning mm-hmm. with, wor- wordlessly, right? So we're meant to think that Jackson and uh, Maxon um, ha- like are with it. I think so. I mean, even above ground, at the end of the episode, it really struck me how Miller was like, what What do we do now, Blood Raina? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Miller is like the new Brian. <laughs> it's, it's fucking crazy. Like, uh, do you remember season one when he was guarding Lincoln and was telling, like, that is fucking crazy. You remember the Pike era? I mean, this is how... Did we have nothing? Say what? Did we learn nothing? Well, Miller well, questioned Well, no, I mean, Brian them. was like, oh, Pike, he saved us and whatever. And Miller was like, what are yeah, you talking but... about? Dude's a, dude, dude's a jackass. <laughs> uh, this is how now, now he understands. Is Brian still alive? Was Brian picked? No, Brian's gone. Brian's gone. No, I know. But like, do you think he was picked in the... He, was he on the list? No, they already had guards. Well, so um, I just wanted to list real quick... Uh, um, all of the reasons for the arena that we have talked about. Okay. So one is 
quote unquote justice. Uh-huh. Uh, then there's population reduction. Mm-hmm. Then there is some a like, third the of the idea- population, by the way, gone. Like that yeah. look when when Octavia was like eight hundred and fourteen, and you're like, that's a third of your people. Should we assume they all died in a in an arena? I we or don't know what happened in the. We don't know what happened in the dark. Year. That's the, the thing. Like, okay, yeah. So I'm real excited about that, and I feel like that can also bring people together. Like you eat, you eat your friends together. You, you know. Well, the whole saying is super interesting, right? The new yeah. chant is like sounds like wrapping up cannibalism or yeah, using all bodies, of me. Mm-hmm. bodies for sustenance. So whether mm-hmm. it's using it for fertilizer or eating it. Yeah. It's like wrapping that up in religious. So that's the food supply argument, uh, aka cannibalism. Cannibals, cannibals. And then there is entertainment that we uh-huh. talked about, and then there's regulating or submitting violence uh, or sublimating violence. Um, you know, which is the idea that people need violence, whether because they're grounders or whatever, just people in general, which is a, a premise that you know we could debate. But anyway, uh, these are the, the reasons. And of all the reasons, I think the ones that have definitely been, me- been mentioned, is one is justice, which we talked about. Uh, I don't think it delivers justice. It delivers punishment and deterrent. And then there's population reduction, which uh, I it, feel like it, it could it have does. been done through better <laughs> means. Sorry, what? I mean, it does reduce the population, like... Yeah. Whether or not yeah. you agree with the methods or the or you know the quantity, uh, it, it is effective. Yeah, yeah but it's not the I most th- instrumentally rational way. It's what a saying, way Susie? of doing it. Well, if you're talking about anybody from Sky Crew that's lived through the the culling and the second culling, what what population reduction alternative would you suggest? Other than like fighting in the pits? Yeah. Uh, any, I mean, there could be a lot of, there could be a lottery, there could be a... Don't um, you think, A science test? A no, science but, test. I, but I'm... But <laughs> or I'm some t- sort of like... No, 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 I'm sorry. Let me back health up. Health tests or athletic. I'm, I'm, or not, I'm not suggesting a rational alternative. I'm, I'm, ask, <laughs> I'm asking, if you're in a bunker with 1,200 people, uh-huh. and a group of them have already lived through two callings... The last one of which was like they lived through people making a list behind their back and lying to them about the threat. And then they thought there was going to be a lottery and then they got they tried to fight back and then they were gassed and then everybody was left on the other side of the door and they died. Do you think that they would have been like cool with another culling? I mean, this (laughs) what you said kind of sounds like uh, like an unstable republic, like the the. Of which Octavia's we have many man- in the world. She's where there managing is no, the crowd. I mean, you're just saying because there's been no stability in the justice system before, therefore there can never be again. Well, it, she's not that what- there never can be, but given the circumstances, she I can see why people thought at least this isn't somebody making a list and making the decision for me. Right, like like Jaha said, you need to make them feel like they have a chance. That said, and you know, it's I would I would argue that yes, technically everyone has a quote unquote chance. I would say that the giant fucking dude who's been fighting since he was five has probably a better chance than you know the the 
you know, frail old man who's been like a farmer his whole life. I mean, or it's something. unfair to women. It's unfair to dude. Talk to the elderly. It's unfair to yeah. Her yeah. winning was bullshit. There are no elderly. Have you seen a single elderly person in the bunker? Or whatever. I mean, age-wise, it's just anyway. So that's uh, that kind of weaves into regulating and sublimating violence. Then, so you're saying it's a, it's a good way to reduce population because it also regulates Checks violence. All no, 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 wait, 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 which wait, is back, something that they need. CC is pro Fight Club. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's a good way. <laughs> I'm saying it's effective. No, I'm saying I. Under, I think this goes to what Shaheen was saying at the top of the podcast about what happens should come sort of naturally follow from the story. And it makes sense to me that you take one, you're trying to forge like a new, you're trying to forge one crew. It's a heterogeneous society. People come from different traditions. They have different challenges. They have different priorities. So for Sky Crew, they have been through some really tough leadership decisions, which if I were a member of Sky Crew, I'd be feeling like pretty salty about people making lists and deciding <laughs> who's going to live and die. And if you come from grounder culture, you are used to combat and that physical skill being central to your identity, at least from some of the clans that we've seen, central to your identity and merit and settling disputes, like, right? So, like, when Lexa was challenged for her leadership, it wasn't decided by, like, when the council split because of Clark, it wasn't, or vetoed because of Clark, it wasn't decided by a general population election, it was decided by trial by combat. So you've taken all of these different pieces and fulfilled different needs and forged something new. Right. I mean, I understand the argument. I understand your argument. I'm just saying it would have been nice if this were mentioned. I mean, we can all agree that there's a difference between things that are mentioned explicitly or, you know, they're canon and they're, they're um, confirmed, so, so to speak. And things that are, you know, we're feeling like justice was mentioned. It, it, Kane but said, I, you think it brings about justice. Think, and she said, yes, I think it does. I know it does, you know? And I do think it makes, I mean, it also makes sense. Octavia saying, I'm not a leader, I'm a warrior. She figured out a system, which is the one thing she knows. Which I is mean, there could have been a scene where Octavia was like, what do you want me to do? It's a bunch of violent people. It's a bunch of grounders who, who have been deciding their thing by conclaves. Uh, this is what they know. This could have been mentioned. You know, the entertainment thing could have been mentioned. Like, yeah, they need something to do. Which, again, I would argue, well, play play marbles. Or, I, I don't know, like, <laughs> do something. But, but anyway, so... They, 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 like, set up, like, a hopscotch ring. They, like, set up, like, American Ninja Warrior in in in, in the rotunda. Do, like, bungee jumping. Uh, be know, like, all right, every, every four months we have the Olympics. And if you lose, you die. And that's uh, just how it goes. I do think entertainment, though. So I would I would disagree that I don't think entertainment is a headcanon. You've had Kane say we turned it into sport. Yeah, you and have then, people cheering. And th- you're cheering like it's a sporting event. And then you have Octavia later talking to Bellamy when Bellamy's like, so fighting ring? <laughs> so hey. And, she, and she's, like, she's like, yeah, six years is a long time. Right? Like, uh-huh. we had to figure something out to do. <laughs> I mean, so I don't okay, think it's... Okay, you're years. adding that, though, right? She said six years is a long time, and things, things change. change. I have changed. Yeah. I'm, 
I mean, I, I think... I didn't say we were I bored. Like, you, it would have been nice if someone had said at some point, oh, man... But nobody wants to, to admit people, that, Shaheen. People nope. are having wrestling fights and, like, breaking each other's necks. Why don't we do this thing regularly? And why don't we, like... But then that doesn't go with the criminal thing. So, anyway. I don't know. I mean, who's, who says I like to go to an NFL game and get wasted and get into a fight with people because I hate my job? I mean, that's soccer hooligan. Oh, yeah, nobody admits that, but that's deep down they like doing that shit. Right. Yeah. People, I feel like you have, because you are, like, so cerebral, Shaheen, not everyone else is. And while you would try to come up with sort of, like, a, a much um, more thoughtful system... Um, the fact is that people are a lot shittier and more um, savage. I mean, this is a cultural thing. Like, it's not as there are many cultures in which there's people don't need their entertainment, whether it's you know but um, fiction or but whatever. We're talking, or whether I'm talking it's about like sport antiquity. Is not doesn't involve violence, so it's not a necessity of human life. But it's not um, an aberration by any means. Uh, maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know, maybe. but it's always been there. Throughout human existence, it's always been there. And so anyway, so we have justice population <laughs> reduction. We have regulating violence. We have entertainment and we have food supply. I mean, really, it's basically like the Ronco all-in-one, like sort of how to run a bunker system. Like, if anything, Octavia, like, it's some fucked up shit, but you're like, you know, you solved a lot of problems with, a, with <laughs> very, little, with very like, little work. And food can supplies, I, can so I also, again, like, uh, in terms of being confirmed and being, like, canon, like, food supply is kind of now becoming more canon, right, with the whole dark, dark year thing. Yeah, I want yeah. more of that. Um, what were you going to say, Cece? Do, oh, no, I'll let Shaheen finish and oh, then sorry. come back. Sorry. Uh, I was just going to ask, what, what do we have other theories about the dark year? It sounds like it was something that was super out of control. Because when they were in Kane and Octavia were talking, he's like, you, you held us, right before he says the dark year, um, he's like, you held us together. It, it made it sound like it was not... I don't know. I mean, my impression from it was that she held them together as if there was something chaotic or violent going on, like within the population. Or maybe, yeah. like, I wonder if there was an actual, like, legit unexpected crop failure. Um, and so, like, it wasn't just... Like, I wonder if some dark shit happened involving them needing to start eating people. Like, it's something that they didn't want to do. Um, because who wants to eat people? Like, I, I'm, I'm really curious. And does the fact dark that refer to it? lack of power? Do they lose power? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so basically, like, it was like a game, like one of those, like, night games or whatever. And, uh, you know, if you touch someone, you, you needed to take a bite because who knows when you were going to find someone else to eat. But I mean, the thing is, it is so horrific that it, there is a law that you can't even mention it. Like, yeah. What the fuck? I want to know. Like, I really hope yeah. that we. I'm gonna be real pissed if this was just a tease. Like Octavia was pretty stone, like amazingly stone faced during that whole conversation with Kane. But, but she lost it then. She was. I mean, she was like, "I'll throw you in the ring just for mentioning it. You broke the law. Like that's insane." 
This gets into your comment about tyranny, CC. Yeah, um, let's get into that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there was some fun discussion on Twitter leading up to this episode. I'm not watching the sneak peeks anymore because I find it like messes with my expectations of the episode. But based on some of these snippets of conversation, some smart people on Twitter were saying, is this basically like Cain is Antigone? This is like the moment of somebody peacefully, like if you're going to myth, standing up against a tyrant. Um, there's a lot of, not just from what we've seen in terms of Octavia's conversations, but other characters who know her well. Abby says we can't reason with her. Indra is clearly questioning her decision-making with respect to Kane, but won't do it to her face. She's doing everything she can behind her back. Um, and everything, like even mentioning the dark years is against the law. Kane refusing to fight, that's considered treason. When Kane and Abby, when Abby volunteers to go with Allegis to resolve the stalemate, Octavia calls them treason. So it's like anything that you Everything's do... Everything's that's, tre- that's treason. That's treason. That's treason. Everything's, everything's treason. Everything's, yeah, it's a totalitarian regime. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Like dis- mere disagreement is treason. Um, so they've taken that you're either with one crew or you're an enemy of one crew, and it means actually even having a different opinion than Octavia and expressing it is treason. Which is some crazy shit. Which yeah, also it, makes me really curious and like having a little bit more legs to my theory that... Um, Indra will be the one to betray. Um, I'm really Caesar. excited about that. Indra, what, yeah, I hope Indra does something. Yeah, and the, and the other thing that I thought was interesting is that it was a little subtle on one end versus the other. But with Cain, you have an example of civil disobedience. So in the face of violence, refusing to bow to the authority... Mm-hmm. And doing it in a peaceful way and trying to set an example for the public of standing up to an authoritarian government in a peaceful way. And so on one end of the spectrum, we have Cain. And then on the other end of the spectrum, McCreary, you have both through the documents that Raven and Murphy are reviewing. And then McCreary, when he, t- when he tells um, Dioza, you're negotiating with terrorists and you should know that better than anyone else. Dioza was a terrorist. Yeah. And all, if you look really closely, I mean, well, I'm pod- terrorist slash liberation movement leader. Well, right. So did you guys, I paused and read everything that you could from the That's article. incredible. That, that detailed explanation that you have, Cece. That I'm such a dork. Um, <laughs> this is, this is okay. the, the G part of the podcast. Go ahead. <laughs> the what? The G in MWG. Oh, geek. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm bringing yeah. the geek. Proud I was like, Cece's such a G, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I, w- okay, so I've been, my, my, like, interest has been peaked ever since uh, Jason Rothenberg did an interview on Metastation where he was saying, like, I don't know, he was kind of uncomfortable with talking about the show's political allegory and using the word allegory, Um but then he, but then he kind of said, "But you could look at this season as perhaps an allegory, maybe." But I'm uncomfortable with that word <laughs> of um, the two-state solution. You've got two groups with historical claim fighting over um, specific region in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And so, when you look really closely, you've got that piece kind of over here, kind of 
making you think about real world events. But when you look really closely at all the articles Raven and Murphy pulled up, there is an article that describes, um, so you've got the information that Raven also says that Dioza was a Navy SEAL with bronze stars for valor, went missing after an IED explosion. Then you have the New York Liberty Times, so I guess the New York Times in the future <laughs> <laughs> um, becomes the Liberty Times or their competitor, I, I don't know. But um, The New York they, Post is rebranded. Well, right. Actually, I'm going to go to the article. So all the way on the right, there okay. is an article about the United Liberation Army is responsible for a suicide bombing attack on the D.C. metro. Um, so Dioza can fuck off from this <laughs> D.C. girl. I was like, Mr. Chick and I were like, oh, my God, fuck you, D.C. metro. He, like, rode the metro earlier that day. It was super not fun to read. Um, so it killed 19 civilians. And that the United the ULA United Liberation Army takes responsibility for it. Then in the can I comment on that real quick? Yeah, that's interesting. In so far as when you think about season two, where we saw a lot of the DC Baltimore Mm -hmm. area metro, right? I mean, that's where Lexa met Kate. Yeah, that's where we met Lexa. Yeah, Yeah, it's where she meets Kane and Jaha. So maybe it was in that station. Was it bombed out? Was was it anywhere? Yeah. So anyway. Yes. No, no. I was thinking about totally. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to put my like, uh, that's not what the DC Metro looks like tat off. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we have like these deep cavernous. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like the DC Metro is so far fucking underground and like well, everything is so cavernous. And yeah, it's super new. And so the subway stations on the show look like a New York subway station, yeah. right? It's like older. But anyway, um, I thought about that Sorry, too. Go ahead. No, I thought about that too. Like, can we go back now and think, oh my God, that station. What if that was the station? Yeah, that they bombed out. I mean, they were in Ton, D.C., right? Yeah. So, uh, make, like, I'm not going to geek out more than what I already have. Okay, so then you have the article in the article in the middle that's the New York Times describes a July 4th terrorist attack. And then the quote that was kind of chilling is it, it has a picture. It looks like um, like a van that has overturned and it looks kind of charred going over barbed wire. And then the quotes that I could make out from the article is death tolls in the affected areas continue to rise and that ultimately the ULA takes responsibility for it. And then there's this snippet about, but Murphy's head is kind of blocking, but it says something about the American dream. So it's kind of building off of, and so far we have Dioza's viewpoint that she was fighting a fascist government. Mm-hmm. And then you have these news articles. She's killing civilians. So her targets were not, and from the middle of the screen article, like rising death toll of civilians like in a metro area on July 4th. So even if you were sympathetic to her fighting a fascist government, she's chosen the means that are the opposite of what Kane's chosen, right? Kane has chosen peaceful civil disobedience, Dioza, on the other hand, is on the opposite end of the spectrum, and she's chosen um, extremism, terrorism, targeting civilians to try and coerce the government to listen to her demands. So that was all built into the structure of the episode, and I just thought it was like really 
fascinating ways to think about, okay, so you have a government that won't listen to you. These are your choices. What do you do? Yeah. I mean, and in some ways, seeing Kane try to, like, be noble and convince them, like, right before, um, you know, Octavia decided to, like, step down off of her throne and kill him herself, um, people weren't weren't kind of having it. Like, I feel like in a lot of ways, if Kane had sacrificed and died right there, yes, the seeds of sort of maybe this isn't cool might have started to be sown, but, it, like, it would have taken a very long time, if at all, for there to have been sort of a successful revolution. And the other issue is that they are still trapped together, you know? Right. I, I'm Although Octavia certainly was threatened by it. Yeah. Enough, to, enough that it was apparently a big deal. Like, you... She, you could went see. down to the pit. Mm-hmm. You could see, though, that she, like, didn't want to do it, um, which I thought was super interesting. Like, you could see sort of this, not resignation, though that was sort of the effect, but a reluctance, or a, a, she was annoyed. She was annoyed by having to do this. Um, she was annoyed that someone maybe was challenging her authority and, like, wasn't sort of falling in line and and she she was she was irritated by this fact she was irritated by the fact that she was gonna have to kill Kane. and i thought that was like super interesting but anyway yeah so um we can talk about the Kane scene i guess we can talk about that when we come back to the um rescue of and all of that the rescue crew <laughs> i feel bad um, not talking about kane and abby crew. but like no I don't really yeah know. no that's what i was gonna say let's yeah. talk okay. about oh, the cabbie sorry. of it all <laughs> never mind i didn't really, like i figured we would have like the cabbie shippers brigading the podcast and being like you talk about cabbie yeah no i was saying we can talk about the the whole kane being uh almost being killed by octavia and all of that later in the after the break but let's talk about the cabbie of it all <laughs> and then we'll take a break I feel, I, I don't know, I feel like Shaheen and I are, like, low-key, cabbie-friendly. You want to <laughs> say shippers? Like, I... No, I'm not anti-cabbie. Yeah, no. They're cool. Yeah. I think it's really well done. Yeah, I mean, um, I, mean I was not expecting uh, the drug addiction. And yeah. So, that's interesting. So, we assume that she started taking the pills because of the whole... Um, um, the headaches. So, for people who may not have been following this so there was she took the chip and then they emp'd the chip out of her and then they said that causes some sort of brain damage and then raven came up with a way to treat that but apparently that has a certain chance of failure and it didn't really work completely on abby so she has this condition no but she did the ice thing they did the ice bath they did the ice bath but but they they said said she has headaches she still has the headaches so now they didn't really do didn't really work the way it worked for Raven because yeah. Raven is fine. But anyway, so she started taking pills and then clearly she's now addicted to them because Kane says, promise me you will stop taking the pills. Which and she lied. It's not a good thing to say to, to someone who has, addic- who has addiction. Um, but whatever. I think it was I mean, a lie that they were telling each other. Like she paused knowing that she was going to be lying to him saying that she would quit, but like that he needed to still hear it. I mean, it's just going to make her feel worse because you know she's not going to quit. Yeah. Just because you told her to. Well, I think it's... That's not how addiction goes away. So, like... (laughs) (laughs) Please don't. Okay. (laughs) I think it's... I think it's interesting that um, they're revisiting this uh, addiction because there was... I remember during season three, there was some discussion of in the early 
like early in the storyline with Allie, when Raven took the ship, um, initially there was some discussion about the chip relieving pain and if, whether they were going to, at that time, go down a storyline of people trying to relieve pain. Um, and so I'm glad. I mean, I think it's interesting that they're that they're looking at this. And when, when Clark, that scene with Clark and Abby just really struck me as Abby was trying, it's, it's like Clark was the parent and Abby was the kid. Abby was asking the questions. Wait, how did you get here? And Clark's like, no, no, no. We'll talk about that later, (laughs) but everything's going to be okay. And she's like helping her mom up. And I'm like, God, Clark is now, in the more caretaker role and Abby's the one being cared for. Well, it, and it's it's also, I mean, A, it goes to having to take care of your parents when they're old and infirm, but in this case, Abby, you know, being an addict. But, you know, Abby's about to take the pills and then she hides it in her boot. And it was basically like, like you smoking a joint like out the window of your bedroom and you hear your parents about to come upstairs and see you like, you know, <laughs> throw it out and swallow and spray Febreze everywhere. Um, theoretically. Theoretically, hypothetically. <laughs> Because here's the thing, if you're actually going to do that, kids, that does not work. All the things that you think are hiding the smell are not hiding the smell. The best option that you have is to go into a bathroom, turn on a hot shower, kick on the fan, and hope for the best. But I digress. (laughs) Oh, and don't forget to towel under the door. (laughs) Just go outside. Just go... Just go smoke weed somewhere. Everyone knows. Everyone knows. Um, So... Sorry, we didn't even, like, talk about the cabbie. (laughs) I mean, going back to the drug thing, we had um, we had Lincoln in season two. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, that was the whole. Drug oh, the thing. but that but that was but that's a little bit different. I, I mean, it is an overcoming an addiction, but it's different in that it was like forced on Lincoln, and then his body was going through withdrawal. Well, um, Abby's about to be going through withdrawal, I'm sure. Like, yeah, and that's going to be some fucking leverage that Dioza is going to have over her. This, this I mean, is, some people start at a party. Some people start with prescription, whatever. You some know? people well, start no, in I, a mad scientist <laughs> office. What are you going to do? Some people are part of, like, you know, a Reaper program. But I thought it was really... No, but I think it's relatable. Like, Abby's addiction is coming from trying to manage pain. Yeah. That's a really relatable... You know, like now it makes sense when Jason Rothenberg was saying uh, Abby's arc this season is something that a lot of people have gone through. But also, how are, how is she not, how, okay. How are there enough drugs in the bunker? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. First, for all these years, she's getting. Like at some point. Recreational drugs. Chemistry. Yeah, like somebody's there's like plants. There's plants and there's chemistry. Yeah, it's they dr- they grow an opium in in the fucking corner somewhere. No, which not. I mean, really, they probably should. But I mean, yeah. I actually thought. I mean, my I'm just thinking of it now is if it's your doctor and this is what your doctor needs to function because of pain management, just give her the fucking medicine. Well, that and the fact that like a lot of doctors are actually addicts. Um, dentists uh, <laughs> tend to be addicts a lot. Um, the end. Oh, man. Well, anywho, um, okay. So the conversation with Cabby, the Cabby of it all, and I and I will submit that throughout the series, mm-hmm. even if Cabby, even if Kane and Abby are not like lead lead characters, mm-hmm. if you go back to their conversations, be all the way season one when they were on the arc, season two, I mean, all the way through. 
they have very, like the writers communicate very important thematic information to us through Kane and Abby's conversations. And this conversation, it, it, it mimicked so many conversations that have happened earlier in the series. I think on purpose. On purpose and calling bullshit on it. Yeah, just being like, that's just literally what we have told each other to like yeah. justify and deal with like the horrors that, that we've done. Right. Um, when she's like, so we had to do survive. And Kate's like, nope, that's what we tell ourselves. Which yeah. is the opposite of what Clark said in her voiceover in the first episode of the season where she said, animals don't feel guilty when they kill each other. It's kill or be killed. So it's like a very interesting debate that's happening within the show about how far, how, what what is actual survival and what becomes choice? Well, I think there's two there's two questions, right? So is there some sort of moral law or moral ideal that is more important than survival? That's number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, I think, is do human beings often do horrible things and and use survival as an excuse when it really wasn't the case? Is there is there some philosophy behind this, Shaheen? I feel like yeah. we're getting into your <laughs> your hamburger house, your beef house. Um, I'm picturing well, him with a pipe and a smoking jacket right now. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so is there some moral principle that's more important than than survival meaning I take it and it means um, that um, is there something that can override it such that we say okay forget about survival we're all gonna die because we're not gonna violate this principle right yeah and and it's interesting I was just thinking about that I don't actually have um, any I don't know of any philosophical discussions about this issue because all of what I know about ethics and normative ethics and and things of that sort sort of assumes that there are humans and that there's <laughs> there isn't this like dire need for survival. Like if you think about consequentialism, it's um, I mean again going back to the three main traditions of ethics. Um, so one is consequentialism, which basically says you maximize the amount of happiness in the world, and happiness is you know, defined for certain types of things or, or you know, um, entities that can experience it. And it's usually just humans, mostly. Um, but you may want to include other species in it. And then, you know, if you think about uh, deontology, Kantian ethics is based on duty. So that's that only applies to moral agents, the people who can may enter into contracts. So if there are no humans, there are no... Um, you know, so there's no ethics with animals, you're saying? There's no ethics. I mean, it, especially on Kantian ethics, it's hard to justify ethics with animals because it's all about the ability to make uh, plans and enter into contracts and keep promises and things of, and consider other people's ends and things of that sort. And, yeah, and virtue ethics obviously also has to do with developing your virtues, and so that also assumes that there are people. Now, all of this is to say that if you ask the question, what is the ethics of survival in the sense that is, uh, do any of these systems of ethics, do they say anything that say, okay, sometimes choosing to choosing extinction for humanity is the best choice? I would assume under utilitarianism that would be hard to justify because there's 
any state in which people are are alive has more happiness, more utility in it, arguably, than one in which no one is alive. Unless you can argue that there are certain states of being alive that are just uh, are worse than being dead. Perhaps which, the bunker. I would being, like to submit. Or or I being, guess or being a slave to Asgata, right? Also uh-huh. not great. So yeah, I mean, if you could argue that there's a state that's worse than being dead, then die, letting everyone die or leading the population to extinction would, I guess, be maximizing happiness. <laughs> um. It would just end it. I mean, I, how great is this show that it's actually made me wonder that? We were like, yeah. I mean, What's that Ellie, right? But when Kane and Abby yeah. talk about it, it's mostly from a point of view of uh, obligations and duties and sort of responsibilities towards other fellow human beings. It's, well, it's an issue of like, I, I think, sorry, I, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, I think it, I think the thing that's been overhanging Abby's and Kane's conversations from the beginning, though, is whether they were on the Ark believing that they were the last of mankind or whether they're in the bunker thinking, also, this is it. It adds this, like, this weight of this might be it for the species. So does that justify... Does that justify our actions in a different way? And Kane has concluded that it, for, for some reasons that we don't know, because he says things like, I lost myself. Like, there's pieces to the story that we don't have. Um, that well, that's from a virtue standpoint, right? So he's talking about his, losing his own character. So the idea here is that it's not that... Um, is not talking about the big picture of it. It's just he's saying doing this kind of thing is ruining my character, right? Well, I'm not sure about that because I feel like Kane and Abby have always been talking about the big picture. Kane and Abby have always had these big picture, what are the ethics when we're talking about the fate of the species conversations? And they've had them back to season one. Um, and then they've, I mean, I think one of the conversation, one of the most important conversations of the whole series was when they were under the rubble after Tan DC. And they were talking about from generation to generation, what do we pass down in terms of the way, what are the ethics that we pass down and how do we expect any generation to be better than the last when this is what we've taught them? Um, so I thought that this taking a expression we did what we had to do to survive goes all the way back to season one, Bellamy and Clark, what we do to survive and you know, who we are and what we do to survive are two different things. Um, and Kane calling bullshit on that. And it, it's a really interesting conversation that, I mean, it's one, for example, Bubs and I went like to the mat over during season four, where she was like, all that matters is that the species survives. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know if that's true. (laughs) Um, So the show just pushes not only in kind of calling bullshit on when people say it's about survival and you're like, well, actually, it's really just survival about who you care about versus people that you don't. So which Shaheen has talked about a lot in the past with partialism. But then there's a whole other layer about are there things that are so, so horrific that it's more important to not do that than the species surviving. That's kind of actually good to come uh, full circle. That's kind of why it's so important that the horrible things that are they're doing 
really be necessary and be just uh, you know um, convincing that they had to do it and that's why it's so important to me to understand why they had to go this route anything else about cabby uh no i don't think i have any more cabby thoughts um, are you guys I- worried about cabby mm-hmm. well um I feel like I'm going to be surprised if both of them make it out. That said, Octavia kind of really shot very high up on my death watch list um, after this episode. Well, I I will say I am actually very interested Mm -hmm. for Kane and Abby to be on a ship with Dioza. Because yeah, I, I am excited for what, like, I want to know what Dioza and Concubine Kane's, like, ship name is going to be. <laughs> well, I mean, also for uh, uh, characters having sex with each other. But also, <laughs> in addition to that, um, the episode set up Dioza and Kane as having very different responses to authority not listening to reason. So Dioza is the type of person that is going to, like, blow shit up. And Kane is now a person that is not. Kane has a lot of info. Kane, I mean, Kane and Abby and Octavia. Octavia called them traitors. Yeah. They are walking on that ship. I mean, they know a lot. They know everything that's a weakness. They know everything about that society. I mean, Kane, I mean, Dioza's basically got one crew, like, anthropologists on her ship. She wants to know everything about them. She's got the two perfect people. Well, and I love I love the look that um, when Abby was like, you know, when she when Abby was basically negotiating or giving an ultimatum basically to uh, Dioza, and you know, they just kind of had this like look of like, you know, I took two, you seriously. Two fucking hard ass ladies, mm-hmm. you know, women moms. Um, future mom I guess for Dioza but you know like of of they're of an age where they would have you know adult children or could um you know or and they just kind of you know they were they're not they're not of kid crew they're not of of, of bunker crew you know the, the Octavia and the you know delinquent age or whatever like they kind of came at it, at it as adults um and just this kind of simmering look that they had between each other um of even though Dioza is very much obviously in charge nothing about Abby said that she was afraid. Yeah, no, I mean, there was, but there was like, I mean, it was even a a funny request, like in what position was Abby to say, no, Kane's got to come with me. Right. I mean, Dioza could have been like, fuck that. Look at these. Well, they clearly wanted her. It was clear that. But she could have just shot. She could have just shot Kane. And that wouldn't have been. But then again, you know, the whole thing was that she was trying not to start a fight with the grounders, but. Right. Yeah. Good job, Butterfingers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's take a break. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Five minutes? Yeah. yeah. So welcome back. We're talking about Deal Crew. <laughs> uh, Deal Crew is basically... <laughs> this is the shitty, shittiest game show ever. <laughs> this is a storyline that we invented. Well, it's part of the part of the episode where basically, you know, Bellamy comes and finds Clark and... Um, and then mm-hmm. they make a deal with Eligius, and then they, they, it goes wrong, and then they, they rescue the bunker, and then it goes wrong. Oh, that part is, is what we're talking about. And then we'll talk about the space, um, and then we finish up. You want to start with the poem? 
<laughs> we have a poem. Oh my god, I forgot about the poem. For the Malarca reunion. So, yeah, so I'm so, so impressed with Bubs. Right? So Bubs wrote us two poems. Um, one for the Balark reunion and one for the Blake siblings reunion. Um, I'm bad at reading out loud, so one of you guys should do it and then do the other one. Ooh, can I do it? The Balark one? Well, that one yeah, seems you like more do your it. speed. Okay. okay, give me a second. Okay, gather yourself. Do, do we, should we like snap afterwards, like instead of applause? <laughs> Is this like a Quaker meeting? We don't want to be confrontational. Oh, I was going to go with a poetry slam, but yeah. Okay. No, now I feel pressure. Shush. Okay. Clark, I saw you there, but were you real? I'm not quite sure, though firm you feel. Skin to skin, chest to cleave. How long for this quiet reprieve? Oh, you snap. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for that poem, Bubs. Um, it's amazing. That's the awesome. chest to cleave is obviously my favorite line. Uh huh. Um, yeah. I have to be there. So yeah. can we can we just have like a time where we yeah, we all have thoughts about this, which is really interesting. This like about one Bullark? scene. Yeah. Yeah. We all have thoughts about it. Yeah. Do you want so as, I'm I'm the beef again. So I want Shaheen to go first. No, I think the beef Shalark, should be. Shaheen's beef <laughs> Balark sandwich. Well, we're doing it open sandwich now. Yeah, open open face. Let's just open sloppy. bread. <laughs> so when Bellamy and Clark reunited in season three, episode Which time? five. Which time? But that's not like the first time five. they re. But that's not when they reunited. That's when they first talked. Uh, after, you know, the whole Mount Weather thing. Like, they hadn't really talked since Mount Weather. The first time that they ever talked, and it was right after the massacre. Mm-hmm. I was crying, I was angry, I was confused. I felt the tension, I felt relief in that they talked and got everything out. I felt the consequences of everyone's actions... Starting with the Tondisi bombing. I mean, Bellamy brought that up. Mm-hmm. He was like, you let a bomb drop on my sister. Then you made a deal with Lexa, who left us to die. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're spe- this is one of my favorite scenes in the whole show. Yeah. I felt the consequences raining down on the characters and straining their love for each other, whether platonic or not platonic. Um... When they re- reunited this episode, I just saw two people hugging. There was Is this breaking that. your Balark brain, Cece? <laughs> no, no, no. I think there's reasons for it. So no, go for it. That's all. That's all. That's all. Yeah. So I think there, there's like some important differences. So season, first of all, in season after, so between season two and season three, they don't know where Clark is, but they don't think Clark is dead. Um, and then I think it's episode two in the subway station that apparently Dioza bombed a hundred years before where Clark's being held by, um, Roan, poor one out. Um, Bellamy gets like, they see each other and they have the like early season, um, obligatory Bullard shipper moment (laughs) in season three. And that, at that point they had like confirmation you're alive. I'm a, you're alive. Oh, you guys are, bo- we're both alive. And so that opened up 
that's why by season, by episode five, you were able to have conflict. I think this is, it's been six years. They didn't know that the other one was alive. They don't know anything about each other other than what they knew six years ago. So I don't know it. I don't know if it would have seemed the only thing right now they have to argue about is whether it was okay for Bellamy to leave her behind. He clearly feels guilt about it. She, through talking to the radio, has told the audience that he shouldn't feel guilty about it, that she was actually proud of him. So there's no, I think the conflict is going to come. Like, I think this episode was about... This is just the pregame? This is to make it hurt more. This is the (laughs) amuse-bouche. Well... (laughs) (laughs) I mean... To be clear, listeners, that's a that's not a sex thing, right? That's a that's I mean, a dish. it can that's be an appetizer. It can be. I it's mean, a it pre-appetizer. Be what is it? It's 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 a to pre- amuse a your, taste. It's to amuse your your mouth. Yeah, it's just to uh to light a little fire. So either it's way, it's a proto pre um, before the pre-appetizer. <laughs> I mean, I think I think what the writers, I mean, I think what the show had to do is. They had a lot of work to do to emotionally reconnect all of these characters that haven't seen each other in six years. Right, like not to be whatever. What is what yes, the fuck? Yes, we got one. That's our first. <laughs> yes. Got that down. Catchphrase down. I don't even notice that I'm doing it, but like, like what the fuck? Like what the fuck must Clark be thinking in terms of like she has had a quiet little? Ex- I mean, granted, all of them like you know space crew too, but let's just focus on Clark. Like Clark has been alone with one other person for six years, pretty much. And, like, so it was quiet. Like, things are, you know, she's used to maybe talking to herself, maybe used to talking to some fish and some birds, used to talking with Maddie a little bit, and now there's, like, people. Like, introvert me, like, human avoidance me is, like, I'm actually sort of surprised that she, like, even had a hug. You know what I mean? And But, Joe, now that you bring that up, I Mm -hmm. was thinking a lot about how during this episode, Clark... You didn't get much from her. Well, she she was observing. And she, she reminded wasn't... me of what's his name on um, on Westworld right now, um, Bernard. Um, just sort of being super fucking like yeah, observant and confused about everything that's happening. Well, it's, it must be I'm I'm not caught up on Westworld, but it must be a little bit of like shell shock. Yeah, thing, exactly. Right? You've been a hermit or caring for a kiddo, and now. All of this is coming at you within It's a, day. a lot. So I think it's really, I was wondering, I'm like, wow, at the end of the episode, I'm like, Clark was really a bystander for We a really lot. didn't have much from Clark this entire episode, but I also think that that was somewhat purposeful in that, like, she was not declaring sort of any allegiances. She's also uh, not in charge. She was just like, hey. <laughs> but she's not. Like, but, oh, you, dude. You and she didn't try to take charge from Bellamy at all. She's not in charge. And then did you notice in that scene before they're negotiating, when they're down, after everyone's broken through, but they're still down in the bunker, mm-hmm. and they're about to take care of business, the old Clark, we know, would have been right there in the middle strategizing. Instead, this this Clark was like, before you guys start, where is my mother? Yeah. So it, putting personal relationships, personal like personal connections to people over trying to lead anybody. That's so what I'm saying. The care-based shift. Yeah. Yeah. That totally. happened in Clark's character. Yeah. Sorry. Absolutely. Back to the Balark hug. I didn't mean to, you know, derail. 
your business. No, I mean, I... I um, was it sensual for you? It was. I mean, okay. my husband was laughing. Like, as soon as the music started, he goes, here we go. Are you ready? Because this is for you. Like, they made this to, like, make you guys excited and tease you, but still toe the line so that they have plausible deniability. And that's, like, exactly what the scene is. But, like, I was laughing. I'm like, why is Clark in a tank top? And why are we getting a close-up of, like, hands on backs? I mean, it's just, it's like a delicious walking the line. It was good stuff. Um, but, but, and I said this, you know, previously on other episodes where I felt like, especially once we got to the radio with, uh, Murphy and, and Raven, you know, and the four of them being on the radio, like in my, in my heart and head canon, I could have switched out any of those two and we might not have had the sensual back rub, but like any of the, you know, they could have all switched places at any point. And I feel like we would have gotten a really similar sort of emotional impact from all of them, um, which is one thing that I really did like as a platonic bullarker in the sense that, like, what I got from that scene was, yes, Bellamy and Clark reunited, super fucking important to each other, but, hey, let's also radio these two other people who, especially Murphy, for better or worse, but most definitely Raven, is, you know, so fucking important and integral, and Raven sort of the relief that Clark was alive and sort of this, like, forgiveness that she gave herself that we got to see um you know over over this guilt of leaving Clark behind like it was just it was wonderful I thought no it was a just really, for I the mean- just for the listeners this is what you're hearing is like there's conversation going on on the side of the run sheet that we have there's like discussions in the comments and the comments <laughs> branch out and there's so you're hearing that live <laughs> <laughs> So this is what, I mean, Bub's actually made a really good point, and I think this goes a little bit toward... I love that she's not even on the pod, and, like, Bub's is... That's all we're talking about. It's the Bub's show. But she made a really interesting point that the the last... The influence on the pod. The last two seasons have had a Raven and Clark moment where one thanks the other, but it's over radio and not in person. Huh. I never noticed that. So in the beginning of episode four, I mean, in season four, episode one, it's the same thing. You have this like emotional, Balark is not respecting personal space conversation. And then Clark's like, oh yeah, I mean, and then they have the radio, oh yeah, and we should sit, we should talk to Raven because she always saves all of our asses and thank her. And this time it was a reverse. Raven was thanking Clark, but we haven't had that kind of emotional in-person scene between Raven and Clark since season two. Oh yeah, I, I kind of, and that's actually one thing that I'm hoping for. And like in the next episode preview, um, you know, it's clear that Raven and 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 Murphy make it down to the ground. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping that we get a good a good princess mechanic hug out of it. Um, but I also really liked uh, sort of Murphy's reaction to all of it because you know he's he's a bit of a shit. Um, but you know, as, as as they say, you know distance you know of of time sort of makes us forget the really bad stuff and sort of like makes everything seem a little bit better than it was um you know that like murphy is able to sort of like be part of this group um and be oh, part of so this joyful. reunion oh yeah. it was so nice he it was you know, such he a great cockroach, line the cockroach yeah. line that was for the fans i feel like yeah but actually here's what i thought was this is totally overanalyzing it but this mm-hmm. is what i thought was super interesting okay first of all mm-hmm. 
we actually paused it in my house when Clark said, wait, so you guys are all alive? Murphy. Oh, my God. Monty and Raven. And and Mr. Chick paused and he goes, wait, the first person Clark said was Murphy? Yeah, I listened to that several times. And then there's a pause. I, she listen, She starts with Murphy, and then she leaves out Echo and Emory. And they so both leave out Harper. Well, well, yes. Okay, um, so yeah. let me break this down. It okay, makes, break it down. Break it down. It makes it makes this is the analysis that you're here for as a blarker because how many times I've watched that scene. So Clark, <laughs> the hard hitting analysis. So it makes sense to me that Clark names original hundred delinquents, right? No, sure. The order, the order doesn't make sense to me at all. It would have been, to me, I would have thought that she'd ask about Raven and then Monty and then Murphy, but whatever. Then I think it's actually great that she forgets Amori and Echo and it's Bellamy because they mean way more to him now. Oh, for sure. Then, I mean, they would have been like an afterthought to Clark after six years. So he's like, yes. And Echo and Amori. And that's like a great, Kind of, they're coming from kind two of racist totally, of Clark, though. No, but she just didn't have she didn't have close whatever she didn't have close relationships with them. But everyone fucking forgets Harper, right? And not to be whatever, like they kind of they they sort oh, of that's act, number two. That's number two. Not to be whatever. <laughs> God damn it! So they so they act. She's gonna me. develop ticks. <laughs> so they don't. So so they act like. Like, there's, like, a time limit, like, that they're in a hurry. Like, you know how they always have hugs, and then, you know, they take up too much time with their hugs or whatever. Not this particular hug, but, you and know, then there's water. hungry horses, resources. Yes. But, like, you literally had two syllables that you needed to get through. And, like, I just felt like, like, I had sort of a fight club moment, you know, the, like, his name was Robert Paulson. Like, let's not fucking forget Harper. I mean, I don't really know what she's been doing on the arc. I mean, isn't it emblematic of the frustration for Harper fans this season? Is like, yeah. Yeah. She's not had any good, like, it's either they're kind of weaning us off of Harper or she's going to come back in a big way and we'll be like, oh, we slept on Harper. But as it is, I feel like they are kind of, I would be real worried if I were a big Harper fan. Yeah. Oh, wait, so really quickly, can can we actually, since it doesn't really, like, make sense to this organization, there were... There were a lot of big, there were basically like four, there were a lot of reunions. Uh-huh. So how, what were your feelings? So we just did Blark. Uh-huh. Next, next big one is Bellamy coming down and the, the Blake. Well, we have a poem Raven. for that one too, which Shaheen will yeah. read. I mean, we, do you want to ask which reunion is best? Yeah, let's just have like, a re, can we have like well, a, re, so a reunion do, feel? Let's do the rescue and okay. then, and then we'll talk about. We'll compare them. Because that's ha- the next re- reunion. But we have, like, but there's, so you have Abby and Clark, you have Clark and Octavia, you have Kane and Clark. There were so many reunion hugs or arm handshakes. <laughs> well, let's discuss the rescue because we have stuff to say about it. Okay. And then um, maybe we'll briefly mention those other reunions and then we'll, we'll vote. Oh! Real, 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 real quick, before we even get into that, can we just, like, call out that there was a cure that Dioza and McCreary were talking about, like, as we were, we were talking about, um, like, before they went down to the ground, and and that she was saying that we'll get the cure and we'll go home. Where's yeah, home? Yeah, what the heck? Where's home and what's the cure? That's it. Yeah, That's I, I mean, the where is home part of it, I feel like it's okay. They mean the valley. I but assume. do they? But then, yeah, I mm. think so. But then, I didn't but, catch that. 
She but said we can go home, but like, is like the what? valley isn't home to them. I mean, I think they just they're they've, they mean, they've you're you're saying they've claimed home. I don't know if I buy that. I don't know. It's like fake it until you make it. It's Either like that, or they, they have a home on another fucking planet, and they came back here for something. But whenever, well, they clearly care about taking over the valley. Well, now but, they do. But whatever the cure is, that's powerful enough to make McCreary shut the fuck up. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Back to rescues. I just wanted to call that out, put a little tickle in people's brains, the end. Oh, there's so many good teasers. It's like, what do they mean by the cure? What is Elysia's three? Like, what is the weaponized cargo? I have a gonna, lot of questions. We're going to go back and watch these two episodes after the season's ended and been like, oh, like it was who, such a good Who's the setup. poor dude who saved Octavia? That, that's all, those are all questions. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if that was fucking Brian? <laughs> like, finally, Brian's story got to be wrapped up. All right, sorry. Anyway, poetry time, Shaheen. Yeah, go go ahead with no, the this second. No, is, this is you. Whoa. You get to read the Bubs' poem. Oh, I'm going to mess it up. I think Cece should do it. Well, the lead up, the lead up to it is, I do think Octavia was going to kill Kane. Same. Oh, wait. You did believe... Yes. At the moment that she yep. was going to kill him? Yeah. Okay. I did not. Oh, you didn't? I I thought there was going to be a deus ex machina, and there was. And that's Oh, no, thing no. That's I'm sorry. That's Wait, that's a different question. But you believe she had the intent to kill him, right? Had she not been interrupted, she wasn't knocking Kane out. She was going to kill him. Yeah. I think, I think that she would have. And I think it would have been like... I, w- I would have loved the reaction shot from Indra on that. See, she... it's so hard for me because I don't, I didn't believe it as I was watching it that it was going to happen. I really so wasn't sure. I think the fact that any of us n- were not convinced that she wasn't going to do it says a lot about. No, I like, mean, they, they set it up the way they had the goodbye with Cabby, they had the close up on the hands and the fingertips. Like, I mean, they'd like totally set us up. And, I mean, this is the thing. My satellite actually went out on, like, the the live viewing right when she was about to. And so... You had no idea Mr. if Kane lived? Mr. Chick was like, oh, my God, she's going to fucking kill Kane. And then we had these huge thunderstorms and our satellite went out. And then we stayed up until midnight for the episode to, to upload onto, like, the CW app. And it wouldn't. And, and then I, like, blocked myself off of all social media. And oh, so yeah, we, you were texting us to see if you were, like, could, like, come on the internet yet. We had, like, a natural, like, a, a storm-created cliffhanger as to whether Kane was going to die. So maybe my reaction is not organic to the episode. No, I, I was really not sure. I was really not sure in that moment. But we have, we have a poem to, to describe. Well, I will just then say that the Deus Ex Machina aspect of Bellamy coming down, saving Kane at the last moment, was uh, kind of is is a prime example of what Aristotle was talking about in terms of. It's the most maybe the most well known example of it, but it's not necessarily that. But we had even one one of those literal Deus Ex Machina, like someone comes in at the last moment and saves it for no reason. It would have been great if Kane had died. It would have been great <laughs> if like Bellamy came down and saw. Octavia I mean, standing been, over Kane's body. Yeah, what a different. Or Octavia with like her sword into Kane's torso. What a different episode would that be? 
I mean, yes. Now I'm a little, like, part of me is like, yeah, no, that would have been really good. Wow. But, like, also, like, super fucked up. (laughs) Holy shit. But... uh, (laughs) 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 Ah. Can you imagine... This is not a Belaric thing. (laughs) What? Am I safe... <laughs> like can no, you, can you, I just, um, I no, I am just no, no, no. My reaction, uh, okay. So my reaction when I finally got to watch it was like, oh, thank God. But now the Shaheen, like having Octavia actually carry out the, like what she was gonna do and have her brother come down on that. I mean, we would not have had such a great Blake sibling hug. That's for sure. <laughs> but wouldn't it have been great if she had like put down her sword and still tried to go for that hug? Uh, I mean, I feel, I I mean, here's the thing. I knew, like, the part of me was like, maybe they're actually going to do it. And that that picture that we saw of Henry and Cusick on set for the finale, maybe that's a fake out or he's like assisting Maybe he's in the city of light again. Or he's directing, I I don't know. But, um, I mean, there was like a certain part of like, but he's a series regular and I knew that, I mean, right? So there's, like, that reality of, like, who has a contract playing yeah. with my head. But, like, but in the moment? That would have been... Bananas. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, oh. it makes me feel bad about myself. I don't want that. I really like me. <laughs> Damn you. Speaking of which, <laughs> let's read a beautiful poem about... Wait, do I have to do the Bellamy. other Yeah, you have to do reading? the other poem, yeah. But yeah. I need like a different voice. It can you do Bellamy's sen- voice? I guess I guess Blake's siblings can also be sensual, but that's a more acquired taste. <laughs> <laughs> there's fic though. Oh, there's fic. Oh, there's fic. Um, okay. Sister of mine, I've seen you look better. Why is your forehead so much redder? That being said, if we weren't blood, I'd give you one hell of a special hug. Oh my god. <laughs> I had never read the end of that poem until just now. Oh, it's like... <laughs> Why'd you guys make me read the incest poem? <laughs> well, I mean, so, yeah. What job um, were you interviewing for? No, Background checks initiated now. Um, I thought the Blake, I-, I will be, and people will be grumpy at me, but... I thought the Blake re- sibling reunion was the best reunion of the episode. Me it, like, too. Made me legitimately choked up. Yes, and also like I definitely had a moment of being like, "Oh yay, Octavia's done playing murder warlord." And then you're like, "Oh no, she's not. She's not." You know what <laughs> I mean? Like to yeah, be so it- grateful and like to be able to finally just be like, "Okay, fine. Like the the bunker's open. We don't have to deal with this anymore." But oh no, she's committed. She no, is it- method. And, and there's two things. Like, the first is, it was a total callback to them being on the opposite sides of the door at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. When Octavia's, like, telling Echo, I believe in my brother, and if he says he's going to open, he's going to open it. And this was the opposite. They were on the other sides, but she believed in her brother, and he still got it done. Like, mm-hmm. totally unpredictable, nothing she could have ever actually relied on, and yet her... Faith. Faith in her brother was... Re- I mean... There was no legitimate base, but but just basically like she relied that he would get it done if he could. But also her performance was just Marie has like I, I love just, her in this role. I, I love can, her in this. This is my favorite thing that she's done. Yeah, this one episode 
mm-hmm. her whole like the conversation with Kane where she's kind of when he, he brings up her mom like he played all of the Blake like how can I push a Blake's buttons I'm gonna bring up your mom and like you saw her kind of tearing up and I thought and then she was just stone cold like tell me who stole the medicine Kane it was just really good but then she goes from that to all of a sudden she's Bellamy's little sister again it was just really I think those moments are important considering like how complicated a character she's going to be this season yeah it was just a really 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 good reunion but then also like then Clark comes rappelling down and is like, what the actual fuck is the going on? The looks on their faces, like, because Bellamy was so caught up in hugging Octavia that when Clark gets down, she has a minute to look around. And then she and Octavia do their little grounder handshake. And then Clark totally, like, you know that look that you give someone, like, especially, like, you know, you're super close to either relationship or best friend or something like that, and you look at them and you just telepathically tell them, like, are you the seeing shit. this fucking yeah. shit? And then you see Bellamy sort of look around, and he's like, oh, my fucking God. And then um, it was great. It was Dioza so good. and McCreary come down, and, you know, McCreary's fucking moist about it. Like, he just came into, like, a fight pit dungeon. Like, that's his, like, you know, wet dream or whatever. But Dioza's like, oh, so a challenger has appeared. Because she doesn't think of Bellamy or Clark in any way as a challenger to her. No, but, but she here, was the leader of a terrorist yeah. fanatical organization. She gets it. Like but, when, when Octavia gives that nod. Yeah, that fucking shit where she was like, get your shit and nobody no moves. And then Octavia gives them the tiniest look and then they all move. Like Dioza just so had a moment good. of being like, oh, fuck, you know, like game recognized game right now. And that was so good. Oh, I, I like the awkwardness of that moment. Um, it, going back to the parallels with season one, it kind of calls back to the awkwardness of when they met the grounders and it was like yeah you guys are kind of weird and they were like yeah you guys are kind of weird too um, <laughs> nice war paint, war paint. Ah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and but it's different it's a, it's a little different um, you know the they, these guys are from our time and they didn't even know what happened with the whole grounder thing right like but you like come up and you're like ex- did I stumble into a bunch of LARPers? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, it just fucks with the audience. Like, the audience perspective is so split, right? Like, we're from yeah. Dioza's time, so we would be like, why is your forehead red? But we this also- kind of confirms what you were saying, that, like, this is, like, it makes more sense to us than it makes to Dioza because we know the whole grounder thing. So we clearly borrowed some elements from that. Yeah. Anyway, I also I loved that. Um, <laughs> it was very these re, these reunions were like very true to character in that they could have gone for an Octavia and Clark hug, but they but that's just, not who they are to each other. They just gave the like it's more than a handshake, but I'm not gonna reach all the way up to your elbow. <laughs> I mean, we have. I don't think we have ever seen handshakes on this. Show. Yeah, we saw. This it. is how they do. No, we saw it um, in um, right before Clark and Lexa banged. Um, right before Clark was going to leave, Lexa like offered her hand and said, "May we, ge- uh, may we geek again? May we meet again?" Um, and so we've seen the handshake. No, I think it was the grounder handshake. Wait, oh, that's you ta- what I'm saying. We've never seen, seen a, a regular, regular handshake. handshake. Yeah, on this show, this is. I think people on the arc do it this way, and apparently grounders do it this way. I don't know. But I think I, it's it's interesting. Like, think back to season two. Clark hugged. I mean, Clark 
ran and hugged Bellamy, but then she hugged Octavia. This is, like, clearly marking that, Yeah, like, but I feel like Clark was really reading the room. You know, like, she rappelled down there and was like, ah, no, I, you know, I know, I know where we stand, and it is not Yeah, there's, you know, there are different There's, I can smell people's insides as I have entered this death pit, like, I'm not feeling super huggy. I, no, I'm (laughs) saying I, I liked that they were, they were clearly super thoughtful about how all of these reunions would go down. Mm Mm-hmm. So, speaking of reunions, so, Cece's reunion, favorite reunion is... Um, the Blake siblings. Be- Blake's, right? So mm-hmm. the Bellamy and Octavia. So what is yours, Joe? You said you agree with that? Um, I think that that was definitely the most impactful one for me. Well, no, no, no. I will say that my absolute favorite one was actually over the radio with Raven and and um, Murphy. That was really good. Um, that was probably my number, like my actual favorite. But if we're talking about like physical reunions, I think that the Blake siblings one was better. Because the actual Balark dramatic reunion was the episode before. This the later was like the pillow talk. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite. I Whatever, Diabi one. Diosa, Diosa ships it. She called Clark Bellamy's girlfriend. Right. I mean, right now? I was wondering if she met Echo, and then I was like, no. No, she hasn't even met Echo. Wait, which one's your favorite? She Not even Diosa believes that shit. <laughs> I think my favorite is Cabby. Um, it was most worked out, and uh, gave it. they gave it the most time, I think. It took a long time. For, they had a whole conversation, everything. They talked about philo- philosophy. They talked about... <laughs> their own um, substance abuse problems. It just spoke um, to you on so many levels. That's yeah. That, that's what worries me. That's what worries me. The problem, though, was that the, the reason for them was so cliche. It was the whole thing with stealing drugs. That was just like the oldest trope ever. But the, um, the thing that worries me is how much in, in episode two and this last episode... Kane and Abby have been given so much time and so much. Like, so Death Watch. Oh my God! It scares. I, I nobody gets that much time. It really is. Well, I mean, they're old. They move slower. <laughs> Dude, they're actually oh, supposed geez. to be in in the show. They're supposed to be my age. <laughs> it's, they're supposed to be like. Well, I guess. Wait, no, no, no. Now we have a we have a time jump. No, they're 48 and 47. <laughs> yes, they're older than me, finally. But, <laughs> but like, you know, you I, got that arthritis. You haven't taken your glucosamine that morning. You're addicted to pills. <laughs> I mean, whatever. But it, it, the amount of time that's been devoted to them talking and saying how much they love each other, it is deeply concerning. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's interesting. What about, should we talk about, uh, or we touched a little bit about it, um, the Clark and, and Abby reunion, or was there not too much meat there? Uh, I didn't find much to mine there. I guess we talked a little bit about it, didn't we? About her holding her hand and everything. Wait, Cece, yeah. you're, you're such a Star Wars fan. Am I the only one who, like, so when Dioza and McCreary finally land, and mm-hmm. she's just like, you know, we're here to rescue you. I totally got Luke Skywalker vibes. Um, I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Um, but, you know, darkest timeline, Luke Skywalker. Like, I kind of just wanted, like, Octavia to be like, you're a little short. Um, but maybe that was maybe that was just me who, like, got Star Wars vibes. 
<laughs> I was also really stoned, so I was like, it's like Star Wars, and, and my girlfriend was like, sure, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. Can you, fuck, can you fucking stop pausing the episode to take your notes so we can we can watch this? I mean, Octavia has a pretty... Um... Dude, do you do that the first time around? No, no, I had already watched it by myself, and then I, like, was stoned and wanted to take one note. I don't usually take notes with her, and then I watch it, like, again the day, you know, the day of, and take real notes. But I was sorry, saying, Cece, yeah. what were you saying? Sorry. No, wait, can we talk really quickly about um, that scene where Octavia is brought up to the ground? Yes. Yes. I, not only was it's important it, for the episode name, Pandora's Box. Yeah. Well, oh yeah, there's a lot of, so there's a lot of things to unpack about it. So the first is sort of like the myth, the myth making within the show is in, in two episodes ago, Gaia kind of frames a different I don't know if, if, if prophecy is the right word, but she's like, you've delivered us from Prime Fire, you delivered us from starvation. I believe that you will deliver us to the ground. And Gaia is clearly now a, I don't know if it's spiritual or um, political fanaticism. I, I'm not quite, I can't quite like get my hands around it, but she's, you have this scene where Octavia is like brought up and she's brought up into the light. The crowd is chanting um, from the ashes we will rise. So it's like a Because that wasn't fucking creepy at all. Well, right. I mean, and it was like Gaia They were like, them. oh, is this when we say that? Or like, we didn't do the drills on this one. Like, is this... We fuck, I knew we should like, have had right, more everyone, dress This rehearsals. is not a drill. This is when we said this is a prophecy. This don't stutter. Don't stutter. And guys, like, this is not a dress rehearsal. Like, we, I mean, they did really We are well. live, people. <laughs> but it's every, it's, it is, the whole way that they framed it, it's totally fulfilling this, like, prophecy that was total bullshit. Like, Gaia was like, you're going to deliver us to the ground. Well, the only reason why Octavia delivers them to the ground is because her brother happened to meet cute with a spaceship that had mining equipment and, like, brought them there. But it still fulfills Gaia's prediction. Yeah. And the, and the crowd is with it. And the whole way, it was like an ascension, right? There's, like, light pouring down. Octavia rises up. I mean, the whole thing was just so interesting because it was like this is what they all believed and they're watching it happen even though the explanation has nothing to do with Octavia yes Um, but to your sorry continue yeah but then I was thinking about and there's been a lot of really great discussion like Selena Wilkin broke down all the different ways that uh, regarding the episode title but Pandora's box um, like refers to obviously like I mean it was interesting because Joe you were so the last time we all talked you were on this like drawing all the parallels to the Prometheus story and Pandora was created by the gods as a punishment to Prometheus for giving fire to humans mm-hmm. and what I think is really interesting is they're both sort of like these stories of the downfall of the downfall of man. So we have the the area they're fighting over is Eden, and you have sort of a, a you have a story that's can be viewed as anti-feminist, where Eve is introduced and she is the downfall of man being expelled from Eden, and Pandora is sort of the same woman, like woman as temptation and and falling to temptation and releasing all of the horrors of. Like human existence, war, jealousy, starvation, misery, like all those things. So 
it's interesting to think about like all the different metaphors of all the boxes that were released. Like Selena Wilkins review talked about like you have the Allegis crew being released from physical boxes. You have Mm -hmm. one crew rising up from the bunker, which was a box below the ground. Is Bellamy right in the season finale when he called Octavia Prometheus? So who's Pandora? I mean, it's just, and, and then what is the hope that's left? Because we just had this episode end with basically war being declared. Well, so so to Selena's review, she mentioned that you know, and a lot of other people are mentioning that Kane is is the hope. You know, the last the last thing to come out of 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 Pandora's box was was hope. Um, but technically, Abby was the last one out, and there are other readings of it that talk about sort of this nihilistic view of it, where hope basically flies away, um, which is an interesting thing if Abby comes out. Um, well, that was the Vonnegut quote that um, Jason Rothenberg yeah. said. <laughs> um, there's different, I think there's different translations and different takes on it. I actually t- read this myth to my kiddos the night that we were watching the episode because I want to like refresh my memory. And, and it that total nerd, but that version I read, the Usborne version has hope remaining and hope In- remains. Well, so and and so there's like different translations as to whether hope flies away or hope remains. You also have um, a note in here about this being a parallel to season one, where Octavia was the first one out of the dropship. Yeah, so and that... taking the first breath. And you know, while I did love, and I have a note in here about, I just love that we got to see our main people take their first sky breath again. Like I thought that was great. That was a great reborn thing. But if it's Octavia the first time each time, like. What if Octavia, like from the beginning, has been, you know, the evils of the world and we just like didn't fucking know? Uh, I mean, she's certainly a product of everything that has been inflicted upon her, right? I mean, she was a blank slate when she landed. No, but even going back to before that, right? I mean, she. No, I meant like the moment she like stepped off the dropship. But like even she bef- was. But even before the dropship, her entire existence was defined because she of was the under Titan. under a floor in a box. Yeah. Every time she comes out, bad shit happens. <laughs> I'm just saying. Or she's sort of, I mean, like a weird like patient zero is not the right word, but <laughs> but but she's. It a is pro- if we get zombies. She's a product of every human I mean she's been probably more personally impacted by every political regime that's been on this show right yeah like the arc forced her under the ground the grounder culture forged her into the warrior she is and she's now founded this like third society yeah speaking of that let's uh talk about space crew if you guys don't have anything else um yeah I mean I like everything else that sort of happens um, is sort of, you know, just kind of things sort of moving along or whatever. Um, you know, we have that conflict or whatever on the ground with Dioza's people and her running away and, you know, whatever. But yeah, no, I feel like I feel like all of that is pretty sort of, I don't know, on the surface, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna. I have a problem with the deal that they made with the uh, Eligius, but I was gonna talk about that in the space crew okay. section yeah, because yeah. Um, because it has to do with Raven mainly, but it relates to. So yeah, it's a good segue of you know speaking of uh, ground and space. 
Uh, it's a good seg segue to Space Crew. Um, so again, we're, this is an open bond. I'm, wait, I'm sorry. Can I just interrupt one last time? I apologize. Yeah. Where do we stand on Octavia's new look? Oh, with the blood paint? Like the haircut, the new the new clothes, the blood. Like she's, you know, we've, we've talked about Bellamy's beard. We've talked about Clark's hair. How do we feel about Octavia's new look? I think she's the hottest of all of us. Right? <laughs> Thank you. I didn't want to like lead with that. I didn't want to like taint the results, but right? <laughs> like it is working for me. I will lead wherever you follow on this. <laughs> I have, I have. Oh, I did not see that coming. I have some varying opinions on many characters post time jump looks. I think Octavia wins. Like if Tim Gunn was judging, for sure. She like won the time hot. jump. She's it's super hot. hot. It's super yeah. hot. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry, now that we're done objectifying. Wait, wait, but Shaheen, Shaheen, objective. Yes. Please also objectify. We give Join you permission. Us. Yeah. Who's your <laughs> post-time jump number one in hotness? How come I need permission? You guys do it all the time. It's female privilege. Oh. I'm sorry. It's just the rules. I don't make them. <laughs> I said please join us. Hottest uh, post-time jump. I mean, I feel like Clark didn't change much. Clark is like... That's changed less than she did post season two. Mm. Um, okay, I think Echo. Okay. Echo looks hot in the non-grounder look. I approve of that, and and I'm say I'm gonna say Murphy. Murphy's also also doing it nicely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Murphy looks good. I've yeah. also had um, civilian friends <laughs> who don't <laughs> hang out on Twitter and and do podcasts say. Monty is their surprise Single, yeah. surprise as the, opposed to military the, uh, <laughs> the militant group yes we're militant fans MWGA <laughs> bombing Tandy oh no I mean I, it's fun I love the like my friends that I got to watch the show that then text me and their comments on it and it's so great because it's like oh this is like a general audience like reaction to stuff this is super fun and I had a bunch of friends be like um, I'm finding Monty super hot this season. It's like the haircut <laughs> is magical. All right. I mean, mm -hmm. do it. But Octavia wins. Octavia, like, her, like, angry hot topic emo teenager thing is doing it. Mm-hmm. All right. Sorry. Continue, Shaheen. Back to space crew. I just needed to, like, interject there with, you know, a game of hot or not. Yeah, no. <laughs> that was cool. I have to keep so... our brand trashy. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, um, so the deal that they, they make with the Eligius is that uh, if anything goes wrong, they pull the plug, right? And Bellamy says explicitly on the radio to Raven, These says, are the rules. if anything tries to enter your security, you pull the plug. If any, anyone does anything that wasn't agreed upon, you pull the plug. If you don't hear from me, uh, if you don't hear from me every hour on the hour, you pull the plug. Mm -hmm. So those are the directions. And... Raven just completely ignores the directions. Mm -hmm. And there's zero explanation given for Raven's behavior other than, oh, she didn't want to do it. But she didn't even let them know. I mean, all the laws of war were broken in this. It um, so here's... So at, she, she I mean, first of all, at, I mean, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Just one, yeah, again, at this point, once they, once they attempt to hack into your security once... The, the deal is broken. She says, I got this. I'm not going to let them hack anymore. But that's irrelevant. It doesn't matter that they're not going to hack anymore. They broke the deal. 
they are now hostile parties. Your people on the ground are now in danger because they completely they don't care about the deal. The, the enemy doesn't care about the deal. So but you, don't you should have at the least bunker let out. them know. But you don't you should have... have no, Sorry, um, what? no, no. I mean, my question, though, is the timing. At this point, did they have the bunker dug out? No. Right? It seemed like there was a good amount of time between them. That's the thing. I went, I'm totally with you because I, that scene pissed me off the same way that it reminded me of Raven at the end of season three when, when Monty had to kill his mom the second time. And, and, yeah. and she was, it's like her ubris. Like, she's like, I got this. I can beat them. But, I mean, it doesn't even matter that she got it. And, and by the way, I remember, like, there was a scene in between where, that scene where Murphy was sleeping in the uh, cryopod. Which was fantastic. That, yeah, that was in between the two. She should have let them so know, but I'm asking. There if, was a whole time to take a nap in between. <laughs> so, I have a lot of questions about this whole space scenario. So, like, the first is, at the end of that scene, I was kind of pissed at Raven because I was like, you should have let Murphy, let Bellamy know. But at the beginning of the episode, they made clear that anything that they said over communications, mm-hmm. the Allegis crew would hear. That's okay. No, they but, broke the deal, well, so, so you let them know. But if they, they, if but they then killed what all happens? the prisoners, then they lost their leverage. No, then they have to renegotiate. Right, so like the status quo is, you broke the deal. We now have broken trust. Allegis still has leverage because because um, Bellamy and Clark still need their materials to dig out or their equipment to dig out the river. Right. And Bellamy and Clark still have leverage because Raven is still controlling the kill switch on all of their people. But if Raven had thrown the kill switch, then they sort of don't have anything except. Which that's not what Murphy was. Murphy just wanted to let them know that Allegius had broken faith by having Shaw try and hack. Mm. Okay. So, so from that, it's not everything is fucked, kill them, but just, hey, they broke their they broke their side of the deal. Yeah, I mean, Do that's the first thing. And then your commander decides. I mean, there's a chain of command, mm-hmm. first of all. You, you tell your superior, okay, permission to pull the plug or whatever. This is what happened. You told me if this happened, pull the plug. Permission to pull the plug. Um, and then, you know, there's the whole no empty threats thing. I mean, this is something that's happened in real history, too. Where, um, it happened in World War II. It happened in Syria recently where you say that if people do something, you'll uh, retaliate in a certain way and then you don't follow through. That leads to more people dying because then they realize, oh, then we can do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Eligius realized, um, was, oh, we hacked and nothing happened, so we can go ahead and do whatever we want. And they did a bunch of other things, and they, they broke it at least another time and, and another time. I mean, so I br- blame Raven for, for this. I yep. mean, I understand the, the argument that it's all um, being heard, but what would be the harm in it being in the open? You'd have to renegotiate. Everyone, yeah, but I'm okay with yeah, Raven. I'm okay, and I'm actually... Ha- I don't know if the narrative will actually call her on it, but I am okay with Raven fucking up. Sure, if it's recognized as her fucking up, I'm then more okay with it. But, but, <laughs> but this was also just in service of her cyber meet-cute with Shaw. Like, that was that was the whole point of all of this, yeah. was for them to have some hacker flirting. Very so, Shaven... 
Shaven. Shaven. Shaven is confirmed. <laughs> uh, or raw, I mean. Raw. <laughs> <laughs> Let's why not raw? Why not both? Raw. Shave and raw. All right. Um, <laughs> oh my god. I mean, one might result in the other. <laughs> oh god. You're so that was my beef. Big, big. That was your beef. Yeah. No, what I, do you have to say about it, Cece? I had a lot of. Um, you got to shut up, Murphy. This episode. What? You got to shut up, Murphy. Who says shut up, Murphy? Raven. Raven said, gave a shut up, Murphy. Um, like, towards the beginning of the episode, uh, she was, like, working on hacking something. She's like, shut up, Murphy. Go play with your ball, basically. Like, but she didn't Wait, say shut she up, Murphy. Act, she actually said shut yes, up, Murphy. Yes, there was a shut up, Murphy. Uh, I Do don't you, even... Are you sad that you missed it? Yes. It was, <laughs> it's, like, my favorite line since the beginning of... Ah. Uh. I didn't realize that. Um, They had a lot of really... Uh, the whole discussion, like, are we digging into, like, the whole space crew storyline? Yeah, because okay. yeah, then that's it. Then we got to go. Okay. <laughs> so there was another, um, all right, so there's, before we get to the whole um, airlocks being opened, they had this whole conversation, which I was so excited for Shaheen that a lever was back. Like, they pulled a lever, and I'm like, Shaheen's going to be either really disappointed or really excited that a lever is back. Did we actually see the lever? Oh, yeah. Raven was about to pull it down. It was a lever. Uh, okay. It was a lever with, like, yellow and black <laughs> hazard tape, and I thought you were going to be super excited. Yeah. But we were back to, like, a... I don't know. I mean, it was really interesting. I mean, I think sort of the... Back to your people versus mine. Yeah. But clearly, yeah. Raven not feeling comfortable with that. Like... Murphy but, calling. But Murphy's saying that he would do it. Like, God damn it, Murphy, I love you. Well, so, I mean, I had, there, there was a really interesting conversation sort of about, like, motivations and when he talked about, I mean, I think you guys had an interesting discussion, like, why did he stay behind? Um, did he stay behind? I mean, he characterized it, I thought I was staying behind to impress Amori, but then really when I thought more about it, why should you, Raven, be the one that only ha always has to sacrifice? Mm-hmm. That's a little, that's not just survivor's instinct. Like, that's character growth for Murphy to want to bear the burden of somebody else sacrificing. That's so actually kind Murphy, of balark to want so to that, share pulling a lever. That script to screen that we saw um, where there was a cut, like, Mervyn kiss on the cheek as Raven was leaving the cryo room. Um, I feel like knowing that that was a direction that they, I mean, and it, I wouldn't have even read that as romantic necessarily, but I feel like they are really kind of selling us a lot on on either platonic or future romantic uh, Mervyn. I mean, here's what I'll say. The relationships that this show chooses to characterize one way or another during a time jump, whether it's a breakup or getting together, Versus the ones that then they expend screen time on. I think it's like I think it's interesting. I don't know where Murphy and Raven are going. I don't. I mean, I like them as friends. Obviously, like they are fantastic. I don't have a dog in the fight. I just enjoy watching them together, and I want it to continue to be dynamic, in whatever direction it goes. Oh man, is is Murphy gonna like act like a little bit like of like? 
you know when you haven't like overtly come out and said that you have a crush on someone, but then like they start crushing on someone else and you kind of are a dick? Like, is Murphy going to be a dick to like Shaw and, Ra- and like to a lesser extent Raven, like when they start flirting? Like, is Murphy going to get jealous? I mean, it's going to be great. You saw him like hit himself on the head. Remember when he like, um, he came out of the chamber and he like said something mean to Raven and she got mad and walked away. And, and he, he like, was like, God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were promised no love triangle, so maybe this is the love triangle that wasn't. This show has had, I don't know how many love triangles. <laughs> Calm the fuck on. Like, <laughs> I mean, the whole, like, I, I think it's like, it, it's really interesting what they're doing. And it's following, like, a blueprint for other relationships that they built on the show. Like, Kane and Abby. I mean, I think it's interesting that that they are now at a point where Murphy can joke about Raven's leg. Right? Like, he made that joke when they were playing soccer, saying, oh, I'm up against a goalie, and she's only got one good leg. That's... that is like, y'all are tight if you're making, like, disability yeah. jokes. It's a huge jump from season four when he was apologizing for it. It's really interesting. It's interesting, but I also really like it, because, you know... <sighs> Like, I'm not trying to excuse Murphy by any means. Um, but I. But what, are you, I f- but what are you excusing with respect to Raven? What do you mean? So, so there's a debate that goes on. There are a lot of debates, and I think a lot of times in fandom discussions, people confuse like. Discourse with real- a capital D. Well, people confuse healthy real life relationships with fictional relationships on the show okay. in a survival killer be killed scenario. Okay. Would you in real life want your friend to date the person who took an action that maimed them and rendered them handicapped for the rest of their life? I don't know. Probably not. But I mean, it's, it's hard because like you think about a, who they were then and like who Murphy was then. And like, I'm not saying it to, like, you know, excuse the violence of, you know, an angry young white male. Um, I'm just, like, I'm sort of just seeing, like, who they were when the dropship landed and who they were in season one. And just, it's... It's so different from who they are now, which is, like, yes, everyone changes over six, seven years, but, like, I feel like with these people, it's even more. It's almost like they weren't who they could have been, until recently, if that makes well, yeah. sense. I mean, yeah, but I think Cece is still right in that, like, in real life, you would probably never stay in touch with them for that long anyway. And so <laughs> Yeah, no Facebook, no. I mean, I have a lot of friends that I feel like I would, like, it's been five years or whatever, and I feel like I don't actually care. I don't even remember what we f- had a fight about and whatever. Like, I mean, I would still remember if someone maimed me, probably. But yeah, but you don't go back to them even with those people. So, but I think the interesting thing is, I mean, first of all, if we're just gonna like uh, someday do a chart of what everybody has done to everybody, everyone else. has done some real fucked up shit to each other. But, but I mean, <laughs> one of the things the show always asks you to consider is intent. Murphy, when he shot, when he had Bellamy hanging and was shooting down into the bottom of the dropship, he thought he was killing his sister. He had no idea Raven was down there. Yeah. So he, it was like manslaughter. He didn't have intent to shoot Raven. So yeah. So there was no, there was 
it was more a consequence of his rage and really stupid carelessness. So there was, but there was never a beef between them. It was more like you were an asshole and, and tried to kill somebody else and shot me. And like, how are we going to deal with this? Yeah. So it's not like they had personal issue with each other. It's not like he was like, fuck you. And now she forgives him for coming after her. No, but I mean, there's the show constantly is also talking about how productive is it to hold a, ju- a grudge and forgiveness. And like, this is what I'll say. If you're going to buy Becco over a time jump, I don't want to hear you complaining about Mervyn when it's been developed since the beginning of season two. Yeah. Yeah, no, Mervyn is totally fine. I mean, Mervyn has been happening, like you said, yeah, a lot on the show. Um, let's transition to well actually maybe we'll do um, one well actually uh, we, this is <laughs> interesting this is the first time we have a lot of well actuallys oh yeah it's been a minute thoughts and stuff but um, so let's do one okay maybe, like each uh, CC you want to go first well I think we all have the same one in that I actually was confused on the mechanics of when they open the airlocks yeah could Murphy and Raven have survived? Because every time those doors close on the spaceship, it seems as if they're hermetically sealed. Yeah, like, why are there not, like, fail-safes between the fucking docks? Like, it's bad engineering to open bay doors, you know, dock bay doors, and then also have that vent and kill everyone in the living quarters. Like, right, like, like they I mean, floated. it's a pretty huge ship. Like, yeah, you would think that there are lots of other but they have, uh, isolated so compartments. Right, and they, um, I know the Ark is much bigger, but you floated people all the time. You have space, you have ships leaving, docking, leaving. Yeah, you, you just have to airlines. close the other doors and you're done. Like, and so, why would the bay doors even, like, let's say that there's a hangar bay and there's a door from the main living area into the hangar bay. Like, just close that fucking door. Right. So I was confused on the whole sequence of events where they, so Murphy and Raven think that they, they're, they're going to die. And then they're like, well, we should take out the prisoners with us. And then Mm -hmm. Murphy basically like astutely is like, no, we can use them as leverage because if we die, they die. But I was like, why wasn't there another way of, you seal the door, you close the, you have Raven. I, I mean, maybe it's that there wasn't remote access to close the dock doors based on where they were. I, I don't know. I was just very confused on the like sequence of events and the stakes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I get that the decision was made in, in a split second, um, but I still stand by my, uh, what I said before that they should have just followed the orders. Uh, they should have just pulled the plug, told them, Fuck off. That's it. And if they die, they die. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I totally get like that they didn't have to die anyway. Um, but yeah, so I think maybe um, we should wrap up. Well, mm-hmm. I, can we just, can we, can we take wanna... a minute for fucking Nyla? Like, did they eat her? Where is yeah, Nyla? There was some theory on Reddit that she came up with that whole phrase of like from, from my body, one, from one to all of us. Or what is that phrase? Oh, um, all of me for all of us us. or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that does sound like a Nyla thing, but like, damn, dude, I'm gonna be pretty sad if we don't get more Nyla this season. Like Clark, Clark has needs. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, Nyla, and there are a lot of people like Ethan. I mean, nobody, Ethan got, I mean, I guess we're all, we didn't see Gaia come to the ground either. So, so. here's, here's, here's my crack, my crack theory. Um, a, obviously Nyla and Octavia began hooking up and Nyla in her pacifist effort, uh, to try and sort of rein in, uh, Blood Reina was, uh, tried to pull a little bit of a Lysistrata move. <laughs> um, which if you've never, if you've never read it, um, it's, uh, who the fuck wrote that one? Uh, Sex Strike. That's all yeah, um, Lysistrata, um, shit, I'm like totally blanking. It's old, it's Greek. Um, Sophocles? It, no, somebody. No. I'm looking it up. Just okay. talk and I'll look it all up. All right. Um, and basically like they're, uh, you know, warring yeah. city states with each other. And so what happens is the women of, of, of these two um, warring, um, you know, cultures come together and they're like, listen, we're, we're going to withhold sex until the men agree to fucking stop fighting. And it works. Um, it, actually, it actually works. But I guess in the case of Nyla, Octavia decided to kill her and eat her. Um, <laughs> it was Aristophanes. <laughs> Aristophanes. There we go. So, okay, the yeah. end. That's it. That's 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 my that's my where's Nyla headcanon if we don't see her again. Um, she tried to with you know Lysistrata her way out of bunker. It was her, It was it was her civil disobedience. It was. It was. She was not going to put out. She was not going to put out, and you know who's not having that? Octavia. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, in terms of TV shows to recommend, I guess we all have one thing to say. Yeah. Which is the fucking expanse. Fuck off sci-fi, yeah. Um, the Expanse, watch because, The Expanse. Yeah, watch The Expanse and support it. Tweet uh, about it. There's, there's like petitions that people Yeah, they hit 100,000 signatures today. They flew a oh, plane yeah. over Amazon. For Amazon or Netflix to pick it up. Yeah, Netflix is out. So. God. Um, I really hope it gets renewed. I mean... Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we got. For, we got hope. Pan- we opened the Pandora's box and there were some hamburgers there. <laughs> some salty <Yeah>. fucking beef. <laughs> I'm gonna. Uh, I'm, terrible I'm, wait, sorry, Cece, what? As we've established before. I am actually. Yeah, go ahead, I'm Cece. curious on. And I know, Shaheen, you're gonna binge The Expanse, right? You haven't watched this season? Right. I would love to come back to, and I'm curious on people's thoughts. I think that The Hundred is actually a more optimistic show than The Expanse. Interesting. That's... That's interesting. Yeah, given that there's a lot more death on The 100. Um, I think on The... And I'll say why. Or I haven't seen The Expanse season two, so... I I think on The 100, I think this is the first season that... And and I'm curious, because I think... um, I think this is something that could, like... Maybe I'll go post this on Reddit because I feel like this would be an interesting topic. But I you feel fucking like, shitster. Ah, I feel like for the most part on um, and and uh, actually like, what do you guys think? Just sort of like on a first reaction on the hundred in the narrative, we have been even when we have had people like Dr. Singh or um, like even when we were in Mount Weather, we understood that people were acting for their people even if we didn't like what they were doing. And on The Expanse, I think we have a small group of characters that really don't give a shit about anybody other than themselves. 
Like that they just want power. It's not even about survival at that point. It's about it's not a it's not about a principle. It's not about trying to protect anyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it made me really think about these two episodes. I watched I ended up watching them back to back. I haven't watched the most recent one, but the one before I can yeah. So I, I watched basically most of this last episode of the hundred and then the last episode of Expanse. I ended up watching them back to back last night. And the whole idea, which my husband is always like raged at the TV every time the hundred said there are no good guys. It's the thesis that <laughs> drives him insane because like one thing is under like absolute duress, and another thing is like I think this season we actually on the hundred might have legit bad guys like McCreary or some of the Allegis prisoners or Octavia. Well, I. I don't know what you define it, but you may actually have people that are just doing whatever the fuck they want and aren't actually doing it in furtherance of anybody else. And on The Expanse last night, you had this really interesting conversation between three leaders that all fundamentally disagree. And even though the the two people on opposite ends of the spectrum fundamentally disagree, at least they have principles and are thinking about other people, whereas the person in the middle was only thinking about themselves. Hmm. And I thought it was really interesting. So I'd love to like hear what people think, or we come back and talk about it on a different podcast. But it made me really think about this. There are no good guys. There are no bad guys. But what if there just really are some fucking bad guys? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you I should definitely come back on a, a, when we do the expanse yeah. rewatch and talk about this. Yeah. So. What were you going to say, Joe? Oh, I don't even remember. Any closing words? Um, Fuck sci-fi? Fuck sci-fi. weeping out there. Oh, why are you torturing your cat, Shaheen? Uh, Oh, I can hear her. Curious. (laughs) Cool, go say hi to your cat. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. Maybe geek again. Take it easy, guys. (laughs) Bye.